Welcome to the 51st episode of the ABC Pod, the Adult Book Club with Taja and Russell. This episode features My Grandmother Asked Me to Tell You She's Sorry by Frederick Backman. Spoilers are between the 38 and 1 hour 59 minute marks. We spend a lot of time in spoilers talking about the community that Backman built in this book and which characters tie into which fairy tale from the land of Almost Awake. We also touch on Elsa's growth and the relationships she has, as well as the connections between the characters that live in her building. We finish with our usual segments and another surprise book. So with that, let's hear it. Well, Taja and Russell, they both love reading books. Taja and Russell, they both love reading books. Well, what do you do when you share such love? Well, you start a club, you start a club, an adult book club, an adult book club. And a podcast. Welcome to the 51st episode of the ABC Pod, the Adult Book Club with Taja and Russell. I am Russell. She is Taja. Howdy. Howdy. And welcome back, everybody. On this episode, we are very excited to bring you My Grandmother Asked Me to Tell You She's Sorry by Frederick Backman. But before we get to that, it has been two weeks. Taja, what's been going on up north? um rain lots of rain which is good because shit was dry it feels like we're getting spring now when we didn't get it in spring which also tracks it's a very vermont move also climate change let's see what have we done i don't know i was just telling you before we started recording that i'm shit at this and i don't remember what i've done in the last two weeks i think that yep last weekend was it last weekend? No, it was the weekend before we had planted the garden. So I think maybe when I talked to you last, we'd already done that. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Right. So this last weekend, we did some more yard work. We moved some of our perennial bed stuff to a different location, added to things. And then I got an epic mosquito bite the size of my palm. And yeah, that maybe was it. It is the uh, it is the time of landscaping for sure. That has kind of been the theme of my two weeks too. I've gotten those two garden beds that I'm working on in the front of the yard to the place where they're going to be for a while because we are getting ready to leave for Portugal uh, later this week, and we're going to be gone for a couple of weeks. So I didn't want to plant new things and then leave for two weeks have and them die. have them die because fucking plants are expensive. So yeah. It's ridiculous. Don't they just come out of the earth? Like, it's pretty easy, people. <laughs> right? So I didn't want to get ahead of myself there and then pay a lot of money and then pay a lot of money again when we got home and everything was dead. On top of that, I finally, because we are going through the same thing as you, I've been wanting to plant new clover in the yard and the frost. We keep getting frost. We had a frost. Uh, again? No, not again. But this was like, I think late May we had a frost. Like, I just kept yeah. waiting and waiting. And waiting. Yeah. It was ridiculous. So that's coming up. I'm hoping it will be self-sustaining by the time we leave. It's looking good. We'll see. It better be. It better be. It doesn't have other choices. Or I hope for rain. And right. uh, aside from that, we decided to uh, go out to dinner on Sunday with Amanda's dad. And we went to this restaurant. And we haven't really gone out to restaurants since COVID happened. So this place does everything where it's like serve yourself. Where like you go to the bar and you order and like they hand you like empty cups to fill your own soda and like your so wars over here and I'd been here before pre-COVID and it was and not it wasn't bad at all. It was very normal. So they did have an option for a server and this guy just like came over and asked if we'd rather that and I was like, oh sure, if you're here. 
And then he like left for 20 minutes. And then it was like, so do we place our order at the bar? Or do we use it? Like, I feel bad if we place the order at the bar and then this guy shows back up. Yeah. So we, we end up placing our order with him like after waiting 20 minutes and Amanda got a lobster roll and her dad and I both got burgers and like 15 minutes goes by and Amanda's lobster roll comes out. And it's like, ah, oh, she's like waiting. No, you, you go ahead and eat. It's okay. Like ours will come. You eat. Uh-oh. She finishes her meal. No. We, we haven't seen anybody. No. Nothing. Even by the time she got her meal. No, by the time she finished her meal, it had been 55 minutes since we had ordered. So then I went, our server had left. Like the one server in the place had left. So I couldn't even find like him. Like left the premises. Yep. So then we oh went, my God. Our, I went to the bar and I was like, hey, and I explained it to them and they're really nice. And they brought us our food in like five minutes, but it was just such a, the what whole the thing. What the hell happened? I have no idea, honestly. They just like never put the order in or something? Yeah, I have no idea. It was just absolutely ridiculous. And that's crazy. I just kept being like, I guess this is why we don't go out anymore. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like there's horror stories like that all over the place. So if you're in the food industry... Good on you, because apparently it's a scary place to be right now. But then later that night, we I got to hang out with Sully because he was in the area doing a show that we were going to go to. But it was uh, for a soft opening of a new barbecue restaurant in a nearby town. And it ended up being way more hectic, which is why we decided not to go there. But it's nice to get to hang out with him. We're working on some new songs, like I said before. Yeah. So we, we ticked away a little bit more at that. He keeps like relying on me to be creative. So he's being a bit of an <laughs> asshole about that. I mean, but, you are. <laughs> Yeah, but it's like, oh, it's tough. So we'll see how that goes. And I've got some homework for while I'm gone to try to figure out some lyrics and things. So nice. maybe I'll have more to report on that when I get back. Maybe not. But uh, yeah, other than that, it's been I watering my clover every day twice. It's been pretty exciting stuff around here. That is. I mean, like the joys of homeownership. We were like discussing, when are we going to mow the lawn? <laughs> I've been putting off weed whacking just so I have to do it once before we leave. Because, of course, as mm. soon as we leave, growing season will start. Yes. It'll be crazy by the time we come home. It's going to yeah. be like primo conditions. As yeah. Soon as you're- that is home ownership, folks. So uh, on that note, uh, this is your every episode reminder to follow us on Instagram or Twitter. You can find us at Adult Book Club 21. That's Adult Book Club, all one word. And then the number 21 for the year we started. Uh, and you can see our posts there. Shout out to some random Twitter person that uh, continued the lyrics to the songs from uh, Robots that I posted this week. Yes! I did find that funny. So uh, it's great, great little ad benefit to the online profile. So moving on after that quick recap, because nothing happens in our lives other than planting things and watering gardens. Oh, apparently. We get back to the book. So again, it's My Grandmother Asked Me to Tell You She's Sorry by Frederick Backman. And I'm really going to try not to be Canadian with the sorry, uh, but that's one that sticks with me. So strong so far. (laughs) Thanks. This is Backman's second time being featured on the show. We also covered his debut novel, A Man Called Uwe, on episode 39. Go back and check that out if you haven't. It was emotional. I cried during the episode, which was just, yeah. That's a thing. An embarrassment of riches for me. So My Grandmother Asked Me to Tell You She's Sorry was Batman's mm-hmm. second novel to be translated into English. It was originally released in Sweden in 2013 and translated in 2015. Uh, he now has eight novels published, including the Beartown Trilogy and one novella. So check those out. Beartown is, it was a random recommendation for me once. That was actually my first Batman book and just been diving deeper and deeper into his work lately. So Before we get started on this book, Taja, do you want to read us the jacket? I would love to. 
Elsa is seven years old and different. Her grandmother is 77 years old and crazy, as in standing on the balcony firing paintball guns at strangers crazy. She is also Elsa's best and only friend. At night, Elsa takes refuge in her grandmother's stories in the land of Almost Awake and the kingdom of Miamis, where everybody is different and nobody needs to be normal. When Elsa's grandmother dies and leaves behind a series of letters apologizing to the people she has wronged, Elsa's greatest adventure begins. Her grandmother's instructions lead her to an apartment building full of misfits, monsters, attack dogs, and old crones, but also to the truth about fairy tales and kingdoms and a grandmother like no other. My grandmother asks me to tell you she's sorry is told with the same comic accuracy and beating heart as Frederick Bachman's best-selling debut novel, A Man Called Uba. It is a story about life and death and one of the most important human rights, the right to be different. Right to get weird. (laughs) So our first question is about Elsa. She is our almost eight-year-old protagonist. What did you think of how Bachman portrayed uh, this character to us? She was like so cute and so smart and so like eight going on 30 um (laughs) which like as a person who is not generally a fan of children especially like small children I really enjoy that like a kid that you feel like you can talk to and they actually like understand things and maybe even understand more than you expect them to is a maybe not pleasant surprise in reality, but is in a book of fiction. (laughs) I think she was like really realistic seeming, you know, as a believable eight-year-old as written by a grown man. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I guess I'd put it that way. Well, it's interesting because we always stumble upon reviews for these books as I'm looking for stuff for the rundown or after you read it and you're posting it on your Goodreads or whatever. And One of the main complaints I saw was Elsa wasn't believable. Like she was too smart to be an eight-year-old. Her age didn't match. And this is something we've complained about with other books before where uh, characters don't seem to act their age. And I didn't feel that way with her. I disagree. Yeah. Yeah. Like I get that. Granted, I don't remember what being eight was, but (laughs) it seemed believable in how she responded to things. Now, yes, she was very smart. But she was also a very smart kid at school who was bullied because of that. That was one of the reasons she was different. Like she was very shy and uh, not very outgoing. And that made her an easy target because she didn't have any friends there. Like it would make sense that she's more learned, learned than. And she reads all the time. Yes. I mean, my best friend Jay has never read Harry Potter. She's read, you know, I think uh, Order of the Phoenix was her least favorite. She's read it 14 times. So, you know. She could be a very smart eight-year-old. It's not, or sorry, almost (laughs) eight-year-old. There you go. And I I agree. Like, I I guess I agree with your disagreement of the criticism that she doesn't really, like, it doesn't fit her age. I think, like, so Barry teaches math to, like, that, well, a little bit older than that, but still, like, he does D&D with that age group. And, like, I, I don't teach them, but I, like, hear... I hear the D&D games yeah. <laughs> and some of these kids are really clever. And that I think is something that you brought up before we started recording, but like the believability of her, her intelligence is there in my opinion, but it fits that she feels still to me like a kid because she still has this wild imagination. Yeah. She will correct your grammar, which <laughs> cool. Good on you. But she also believes in all of these fantastical things And that's what I think you would lose if the main character was older or was actually not acting her age. 
Yes, like I said, it's, I feel like you lose that or you gain cynicism around double digits. Yeah. So it, it had to make sense for her to believe in the land of almost awake and cover your ears, kids. Like when they talk about Santa, like how there's different things where she understands both sides of it, right? But the land of almost awake is so important to her. And even though it is this make-believe, she it is real. It is real totally. for her. And, and all the stories that are there, like she has to protect it. It it just was so, I don't know. I, it like fills that inner child in you. At least it 100%. did for me where I was like, oh my God, like that creativity, that child that just wants to be like seen, but also like is scared, but will share those stories. Like is a brave knight of, of Miamis. Miamis. Yeah. I, well, cause she, she said that it was one time, like she thought it was called that because of how she mispronounced pajamas. Yeah. So I kept thinking of that. I think she was the perfect protagonist at like the age was perfect. And I think that he portrayed it well, because you have to have the way I don't without getting too spoilery, like you have to have somebody who's intelligent enough and observant enough to like make the connections that she was able to make. But still, like you're saying, have that innocence and fully invested in believing the fairy tale part of the, the stories. Yeah. And also that lack of life experience where yeah. we see that too. And that was kind of a big point for me that made her feel realistic where it wasn't all just like roses and happiness. There was her dealing with grief, there was her dealing with anger, jealousy, being hurt, like you're saying. And like, she understands more than most probably, but there's still other parts where that, that ugliness creeps in where she meets people that her grandmother knew. And she says, you know, it, she felt like her grandmother was keeping them secret from her because she only had her grandmother as her friend and her grandmother. She had all these other friends that I didn't know about that they knew about her, these stories they knew about her. And which like that right there, her like jealousy as the immediate reaction is very much showing her young age. Like her grandmother's 77, which means like she's had 77 years of whereas Elsa's only had seven almost eight to accumulate all of these people and like it is hard I think as a kid to recognize like you're always looking forward to growing up like I want to be this when I grow up and whatever you know you have all these like big dreams but I think that that comes without the real recognition that other things are going to change <laughs> you know like you're in the moment you're and I think this is maybe more in like high school age whatever but like where you're like, I had a terrible day and it is the absolute worst thing ever when like, really, it's not. And right. your life experience will show that you're going to have worse days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I will just say, going back to the jealousy, it reminds me of uh, me and Jay. And when Sully came in the picture, or I came in the picture for Sully and I was I was Elsa's age thereabouts. And I was so jealous of, of this other kid who got to be my friend's best friend, too. It's just, again, it just feels very realistic that a child would think that way. And I also, like, the way that she, like, as an only child, I fully understand her kind of, like, feeling extra alone. And then, I mean, I didn't experience this because my parents are still married, but, like, as a child of divorce, where, like, she's expecting, her mom is expecting to have another kid, and, like, she's already kind of got these negative feelings toward her half sibling because she, she thinks she knows what that means for her coming up. Yeah. And I um, did, I love that she called it halfy. Yeah. <laughs> it was such a great way to refer to it, to a half sibling that wasn't born yet. 
it sure. like this is I the really 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 love the way he writes and of course now I've only read two of his books I'm looking forward to the other ones that are on my shelf but the way that he can really like put you in somebody else's shoes in somewhat devastating circumstances and still make you laugh and still make you like really root for people and I just he's chef's kiss yeah it's really impressive especially just looking at these two where our main protagonist with Uwe was a you know 70s or plus curmudgeon man who was trying to kill himself to get back with his wife and then you have this eight year almost eight year old dealing with the grief of losing a grandparent like you don't get much more polar opposites there and to be able to really deliver on both it's really a statement to the writing so um, we don't get to spend too much time with granny before she passes spoilers from page 44 there but uh, she leaves a big impression. I was wondering what you thought of her in the time we got to know her, but then also obviously she's imprinted throughout the book. Yeah, I mean, she sounds like such a strong female lead. And like the way that Elsa refers to her as a superhero is very apt from Elsa's point of view. Obviously, as you mentioned, that's her only friend and her only friend that can like do anything has like, superpowers up the wazoo and to I don't know to idolize somebody like that totally makes sense I think that it was really cool when we got to discover more about who granny was to everyone else and like yeah some of that was tough for Elsa but like I think that I could feel that all coming you know with what we got to know of her at the beginning before she passed it seemed like She probably had a lot of skeletons. And yeah, I don't know. I just, I really appreciated how she actually kind of reminds me a lot of my maternal grandmother. (laughs) Only in that, like, she kind of just does whatever she wants. Yeah. Maybe not like, not to the extent that Granny did. Like, Grandma B was not like that. I mean, so far as I know, but she was a very, like, petite Italian woman who looked like a catcher's mitt because she'd been smoking it out in the sun her whole life. And just like, I could see her doing a lot of the like yelling at people and you know that kind of that kind of thing i i don't know i just really love the idea of an old lady superhero like in general (laughs) i I think it was awesome you immediately find her endearing when we we meet her basically when they're at the police station because (laughs) granny broke into the zoo with elsa to try to show her the monkeys or something like that and then ended up throwing feces at the policemen as they and the guards as they came to tell her that she couldn't climb a fence to get into the zoo i was can i i just wanted to say something about that one instance and how perfectly amazing it was that the reason for her doing all of that was to flip the script on a really shitty day for elsa and that's that was the thing where like you go from thinking she's just this senile kind of crazy woman that Elsa is idolizing to realizing she says, you know, she was bullied to the point where somebody ripped her favorite Gryffindor scarf and her grandmother, who's sick in the hospital. With, we don't know what yet, but seems pretty serious, breaks out of the hospital with her, drives illegally in her car and, and jumps the fence at the zoo to make it so Elsa's day she'll remember as the time Granny got arrested for jumping a fence to get into the zoo rather than the time that the bullies caught her and and ripped her scarf. And like that, I told you this before, but there was quite a few moments in those first chapters. I feel like at the end of the first three chapters, I just teared up 
uh, just thinking about how incredible this fictional person was and, and putting yourself in Elsa's shoes where that, I did have a bit of that, where it's like this eccentric person is kind of like doing these crazy things and you you look up to them and like, that's just, it's so tough because it's the right and the wrong reasons as we learn, because Elsa is gaining the benefit kind of spoilers, not really of her mother's bad childhood. Mm. like granny was never there for her because she was off saving other people because she was a doctor when nobody said that she could be a doctor and because of that when Elsa was born she saw that as her redemption story which I think happens a lot in real life where there's plenty of people that make a better grandparent than a parent and obviously it's different when you're not around the kid every day all day you get to be the fun one you don't have to you know I know there's a lot to it as a person Yes, exactly. Give them sugar and send them home. There's a lot of things that I have no experience of, both as a parent or a grandparent. Um, but I can just, yeah, so we'll tell you all about it. But, <laughs> but I just, uh, it, it really rang home because you hear about that all the time about how the grandparents, I mean, grandparents are made to spoil their grandchildren. Like it's just, it, it was a second chance for her. And the more you read, the more you realized how important that was to Granny and how much she realized kind of her own failings. I mean, she, she tells a lot of people she's sorry for a lot of things through these letters. I mean, like, it is the title of the book. All right. Yeah, you knew what you were going to get into. Right. For sure. So moving into her fairy tales, we have The Land of Almost Awake and all the tales that Granny comes up with those and are told throughout the book. How did you feel about how Backman used those stories to tell us things about our characters before we knew who was who? Uh, and also just the setup of the six kingdoms of The Land of Almost Awake. I thought that that method was really, really cool because initially, like when we're going with them to the land of almost awake before Granny dies, I don't think I necessarily thought that these stories would play so heavily into the sorry bits. (laughs) So that was like a neat little surprise, especially because of how crucial the land of almost awake was to them as like a shared space and kind of Elsa's just like upbringing and her relationship with granny. I also appreciated how other people in the story called her granny. Yes. <laughs> like I, that just kind of clicked with me just then that it was a little strange that most people just called her granny. Well, I, um, and I do think that's kind of how kids are like my in-laws, right? Cause they both have kids. My two yeah. sister-in-laws, they both call their mother now Ninny. Because that's what the okay. kids call her instead of calling her mom. So, and because no, I think there was a I lot of that where it was like, your granny, your granny. Like they weren't necessarily, yeah. But we never learned her name. She is known as Granny. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, if that's your identity. Yeah. <laughs> I really liked the the concept of the, the fairy tales. And yeah, like I said, I don't think I recognized right at the beginning that they were going to play so heavily. So at first it was just like a fun, neat thing. And like... You know, it seemed to me like something that normal fairy tales are sort of either like a cautionary tale or, you know, something, a a lesson encrypted within that. Um, So I kind of just thought it would be that alone and not something so personal to the sorries and the situations. So, yeah, I really I loved that. I thought it was incredible. Uh, We talk about kind of how stories can be stale, right? You can follow the linear line. And if you can do that with one character throughout and keep me interested, holy God, you've unlocked like the Holy Grail because that's just not how it's done anymore. Yeah, it's back and forth. We have to go back in time or we have two different people. We're jumping back and forth to different POVs and stuff like that or, you know, whatever. 
now, then, now. Exactly. So this is that taking that and spinning on its head where he does use it to break up our story where she'll say like, well, this is kind of like the, the story of the chosen one, or this is the story about the war without end. And then you get it. And you're sitting there going, okay. And I don't know if it's a bit of the Harlan Coben, right? We've talked about this, where like everything is in the book for a reason. Right. So, so you're even if it apart. Yeah. I mean, if it happened once, like I think the first fairy tale, you're like, okay. When there's a second fairy tale, okay, start paying attention. Because this this is going to mean something. I think that became pretty obvious. And then once you're putting it together, and they don't, there are times and we'll get into this in spoilers more heavily because that's when we can talk about everything where she's like that's you like that's yeah. your story then you you don't get the story again you have to yeah. remember what the story was so that i found was really that was tricky cool and annoying at the same time like <laughs> i told you when we dnd'd on tuesday i was like ah, i don't have enough time but i really want to go back and reread it so i can like get all the stories right and kind of doing the rundown i was able to pick and choose where they were but it was just very interesting how she did that and how like you said it could have just easily been like the end of mr rogers neighborhood where it's like here's the lesson you learned today like don't you have to laugh in the face of fear otherwise it will overcome you like those kind right. of things but so like there is a lesson but there's also like a personal connection with that lesson which i think is like such a neat way to teach something to a kid and and then we learn kind of spoilers that granny has used this with other people too which again, getting back to the realism of Elsa, she again is jealous of that. Like yeah. this was our thing. What do you mean you know about right. the almost awake? Yeah, with like the secret language. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just like the the roller coaster of emotions that Elsa goes through. <laughs> and again, believably. And also yeah. even just with her grief after Granny passes, where she doesn't experience it. Like I kept waiting for that moment where she was finally gonna break down and it kind of comes but it's not what you expect you know no. she keeps fighting it off and i can see a, a child especially doing that like yeah they don't really understand that you know oh so so crazy um i will say that was another thing that i didn't get where when i was going through some reviews people were like oh i didn't even read those parts like that was just way too confusing blah blah, blah. it's like it's no what, like, what not are you doing it wrong what do you want you want a cookie cutter like okay here's a book you know, like, it's like, that's the point. Of, that's what makes stories so interesting. How the fuck did you think of this? How did you put this together? There are people in the world that are like, oh, yeah, I skimmed that. I don't understand. You either read the book or you do not. And if you're skimming, stop reading it. Oh, it reminds me of uh, <laughs> when we when we talked about the regulators, where I told you when I first read it, you know, whatever in middle school, and I didn't read like the journal entries and the in-between chapter parts, right? So I missed so much of that book. So much. Because <laughs> then when we read it, I was like, oh, those are important. Like, no shit. It's in the book. It's, it's fucking important. So I just said, you either read the book or you don't. And Barry from the other room said, there is no skim. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do not. There is no try. Oh, touche, train. Touche. So we can get more into that if you want. I did enjoy the idea of the six kingdoms and how oh each one like, is created and then they like have a specific reason for them. Yeah. Um, it's just super, super neat. And to have that, like, Granny is world building. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And how like she clearly has been working on this for longer than Elsa's been alive. And I loved how 
I don't think this is spoilery, like when she meets one of the characters and she discovers that the secret language isn't really so secret and what those kingdom names mean was so cool. Like, of course they're chosen for that reason. It's just like all such a perfect little like world building feisty and bow. Yeah, I mean, Granny wrote a story, just didn't write it down, you know, she kept it in her head. Incredible. I mean, so, like, I don't even remember what I did for two weeks, like these last two weeks. <laughs> I remember all of these fairy tales and keep that all in. I guess part of the reason that it's easier to remember is because she's taking a spin on what actually happened. Yeah, exactly. There's, And she even says that, you know, there's a every bit, every fairy tale has a bit written in reality or something like that. Yeah, like, something like that. Yeah. And like, even as Elsa's saying that, she doesn't realize how true it is. So. Right. Kind of getting into what you were just trying to tiptoe around. Pre-spoilers, we are going to talk about some of these characters and how they came up. So Elsa meets Wolfheart and the Worse uh, from Granny's stories. What did you think of these two characters? Obviously, I loved the Worse. Yes. Fantastic. So the Worse is just a dog. But I love how they refuse to say that. The Worse Oh my god, 100%. This like huge giant creature that just has black fur and is very scary, but also loves candy. <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. So two things. One is the whole time, everybody like other than Elsa and her like immediate group. So I guess Wolfhart and her mom basically also refer to it as a worse. And like the only people that don't are basically the people that don't believe in the land of almost awake. You know what I mean? So it's a very like nice divided. Looking at you, Kent. (laughs) Right? What a dick. Also, when Granny was like, bring these chocolates to the worst or to our friend. And then when I discovered it was a dog, I was like, do not give that dog that chocolate. I like was having a visceral reaction. I, t- I was like, maybe it's not a dog. Cause everyone knows you don't give a dog chocolate, but I guess this right? is just part of the fairy tale. But that's something that I was surprised that Elsa in her eight year, almost eight year old wisdom, because she's so learned and reads, what was it? Works of, literary genius or whatever it is she calls like the spider-man comics yeah like i'm surprised she wouldn't be on the ball with you don't give dogs chocolate well that's not a dog that's our friend that's a worse. That's that's friend. Different. so <laughs> no i loved him also loved wolfheart i mean like i don't know that i can really get into too much without getting into spoilers but i really appreciated that he was like somebody that initially as we're hearing about him from Elsa, we just sort of know of him as, I don't remember what they called him, the monster? Yes. So when, yeah, because they live in an apartment building and they explain kind of where everybody lives. And that is that where the worst is, is like a, a, a apartment all to himself that he just barks all through the night and everyone's scared of that. And then there's the monster who is just this big, scary shadow creature that you never really see that only comes out at night and nobody really hears anything from him. So Elsa is surprised when her first letter that Granny gives her is addressed to the monster. I mean, it's not to the monster, but it's his address. And that's where she meets, well, eventually runs down Wolfheart and and meets him. And I just appreciated that he's so shy about being shy. Maybe isn't quite the right word. He doesn't really like, yeah, he's reluctant to be with her but also like very, very good protector. I mean, there's a few times when he really comes in clutch. <laughs> yeah, without knowing his story, you can tell that he owes something to Granny. Damaged goods too, yeah. you can tell that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And like, he is doing this because he owes her 
-hmm. not because he wants to like every fiber in his body is is telling him you know no basically but he knows that he has to be there for this almost eight-year-old girl again just the fact that these these people are they feel so realistic because Mm -hmm. they have their own issues they are not perfect they're very flawed Yeah. yeah but the fact that even if you are that going through what he is going through, which is terrible. And I can't imagine we'll get into it in spoilers, but still knowing that this eight-year-old girl needs to be looked after, like channeling that inside of you, knowing that is just, again, anybody would do that. You would think no matter what you're going through, you don't just let this eight-year-old girl off on her own or whatever. If somebody asks you to look after her who did you a solid, you would have to do that. So I, I really appreciate that in the writing because it's not like, oh, it was all, again, rainbows and unicorns. It was, no, this is dark and grimy and it's not perfect. And even her interactions with Wolfheart aren't perfect. No. As he doesn't even really like speaking. So it's just, it was so powerful to to see them build that connection. Uh, yeah. And as for the worst, I just had the worst is the best big old doji in the whole wide world. Um, again, even though nobody would would say that it was a dog. So um, just a beast. beast. But he like, oh my God. I just, the picture on the cover <clears throat> makes him look like a chocolate lab. But like all the descriptions, I was like, that thing's a mastiff or like some giant something that is thinking, not. Yeah, I was thinking it had to be a lot bigger, at least like a great vein or something, at least something yeah. tall, like, I don't know. Uh, I agree. It, it didn't feel like a chocolate lab, uh, sure but we'll, uh, I don't know, give it up to the artist, I guess. Right. So on that note, before we get to spoilers and spend more time talking about all these other characters, we have to get to know your podcaster questions. So Elsa fears going to bed because that's where the nightmares are. Because of this, her granny brings her to the land of almost awake and fills her with stories. So wondering if you remember any time growing up where someone tried to comfort you this way, or was there a technique passed on to you in order to help you fight nightmares? So thinking like that movie, Big Daddy, where the kid's like really shy and he gives him his sunglasses and he's like, these are invisibility glasses. Like nobody can see you when you're wearing them. Like, did anybody ever do anything like that? Or I don't know, help help you in any way? Or if you have a story about a grandparent? Yeah, I don't know. This one's tough for me because like, I don't really remember suffering too much from from nightmares necessarily like I think I had I mean I was an only child so like obviously my parents were and I were really close like when I was a kid I had a ton of stuffed animals and they were hanging in like a hammock above my bed so I felt like they were my protectors and then like every night like the bedtime routine was one of my parents would just like lay with me in bed for a little while And I do remember as a kid always being not really understanding time and how it worked. Be like a little while longer and they'd be like two minutes. And then like after two minutes was up, they'd go to leave. And I was like, that wasn't two minutes or some shit like that. But like, I don't, I don't ever remember having to really like get up and be like, I had a nightmare. And you know, I don't, I don't really recall any of that, but I can't remember what I just did the last two weeks. So who knows? Nice. Again, coming up with the questions, it makes it easier to answer because you usually have something in your mind. I had the exact opposite childhood of you. I was plagued by nightmares when I was growing up. Really, really bad. So I was constantly going into my parents' bedroom being like, I had a nightmare. And so my mom taught me this trick where we would go to sleep saying things that make us happy. Oh, that's so good. So you would sit there and it'd be like, baseball, football. (laughs) my friend 
playing music. And I like small Russell voice right now. Yeah. And as dumb as that sounds, to this day, if I wake up from a nightmare and I, I go back to sleep, I go back to sleep. I don't say it out loud because Amanda would think I'm a psychopath more than I already am. <laughs> but I do. I sit there and I think, baseball, football, my best friend. Like it's, and it works for me, man. I don't know. Genius. I love that. So just got to no, look out for that kind of stuff. Another just random story about a grandparent. Like my grandmother used to take us to hotels just to take us to hotels. Like, like did anybody to stay the night in a hotel, not just like to visit for a day? Yeah, be like, oh, we're gonna go stay in a hotel. Like we would stay in a hotel five minutes down the road from where she lived. So my parents did that one time. There was like a Hawthorne Suites. They built like, which obviously is like a long-term stay type place where like people on business trips for weeks will come and stay. So there's like a kitchen in there and it's really nice. They built one like literally at the ass end of my neighborhood. Like we could have walked there and we stayed the night and it was super fun. There was a pool and everything. <laughs> Those are the cool things you can do for kids. Just uh-huh. have them stay somewhere else, especially if there's a pool. And also your parents are probably like, go swim for like an hour. You'll be dead. We don't have to fucking deal with you now. Right. Although I think I might have been like a middle schooler, borderline high school, but it's fine. <laughs> also, same, like, same, go swim for an hour. We're fucking, you, oh my God, we're so tired of you. <laughs> so we also had done that, that same place with one of my best friends, Emily, who I've talked about on this podcast before. Yeah, Sinbads. Sinbads, yeah. Oh my God, Sully was telling me he started doing that. Like, made me so happy. But I remember because they've got the like nice little pool room with like the pool and the hot tub. And I remember being in the hot tub with Emily and we were like a big, big old make-believe people, like even at that age. And we would joke about being like not cooked alive, but it was like the hot tub was like the stew pot. We were like going to put on some veggies, (laughs) 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 which is actually pretty morbid now that I think about it. It's fine. I love when people describe baths as people soup. I mean, it's fucking disgusting. <laughs> oh but my god, it's so accurate. It is so accurate. Yucky. Yeah. So we leave you with those images, and now we move You're on welcome. to spoilers. So before <laughs> we get to spoilers, we do have your song, and it goes a little something like this. This is the part that we're going into spoilers. If you don't know the book, get out. Because this is the part that we're going into spoilers. It's time to learn what Granny is so sorry all about in spoilers. So very Canadian today. Boy, it's the story, you know? You had the E. E. So spoilers. As Elsa continues to find and deliver apology letters from her granny, she learns more about granny's past and how she wasn't a very good mother. She loved being a doctor and running off to save others whenever a major natural disaster or war was happening. And because of this, she saved many people but was never home with Elsa's mom. Granny has made the treasure hunt hard for Elsa and sometimes she goes days between finding the letters that she must deliver. When she does, Elsa realizes that they are going to the neighbors who live in the same building as her and Granny, and Elsa gets to know them better. While she learns their stories, she realizes that they are all represented by different characters in Granny's fairy tales from the land of Almost Awake. Elsa begins piecing together the clues to figure out who is who. But as with all fairy tales, Elsa's has to have an enemy, and for her it is a shadow of a man with blue eyes that smokes the same brand of cigarettes as Granny. Elsa spies him lurking near her twice and learns from Britt Marie that he has come to the building looking for her. She remains on high alert with Wolfheart and the Worst protecting her. 
During Granny's funeral, Elsa is overwhelmed with grief and jealousy at the people that she doesn't know talking about Granny and runs out of the building. She is in the cemetery when she smells Granny's cigarette smoke and is grabbed by the shadow. She is able to break away from him and runs for her life, eventually ending up in a dangerous park where she almost succumbs to fear until Wolfheart grabs her. He brings her back to Elf and then disappears. Elsa learns that some of her neighbors know who this shadow is. It is when she delivers Granny's letter to Maud and Leonard that she learns the truth. Maud and Leonard are the grandparents to the boy with a syndrome who lives on the lower floor of the building and is close to Elsa's age. Elsa is shocked to learn it is their son, Sam, who is the shadow. He has always had anger in him, and when he went off to war, it only made it worse. He almost died, but was saved by Wolfhart, who was his best friend and managed to carry him to the hospital Granny was working in at the time, helping soldiers. She saved his life and apologized to Maud and Leonard for it in the letter because when he came home, he was a different person. They had hoped he would beat the anger when Sam met the boy's mother and got her pregnant, but eventually the darkness returned and he beat her while she was pregnant and made her have to flee. Maud and Leonard told Granny what happened and she moved them all into the building to hide them from Sam. He didn't know where they were until he saw Granny's death notice in the paper and having never met his child, he thinks Elsa is his and that's why he is coming after her. Things come to a head when Elsa's mom goes into labor and her dad comes to pick her up and bring her to the hospital. When Elsa and the boy with the syndrome jump into dad's car, they are attacked by Sam. The worst jumps in to save them and bites onto one of Sam's wrists. Elsa runs with the boy back towards the house. She barely makes it inside when she turns to see that Sam is scared and that is when Wolfhart attacks him. He would have killed him if not for Britt Marie stepping in. As the police come to take them both away, Elsa sees that the worst is on its side and bleeding heavily. They rush the worst to the vet, but they are unable to save it, and Elsa rushes past the doctors to be with it at the end and say goodbye. Wolfhard is allowed to comfort her and show her the crumpled up paper from the note her granny gave to him. It is a map of a seventh kingdom to add to the land of almost awake. It will be where you go to help you forgive. After losing the worst, Elsa goes to the hospital where mom has had a complicated birth, but her and the baby are doing okay. Elsa talks to her mother about all she's learned about their neighbors and Granny, and mom tells her that she received the first letter from Granny apologizing for how she raised her and asking her to help Elsa on her treasure hunt. Elsa meets a doctor who has also been Granny's accountant, lawyer, lover, and many other things, and he tells her that Granny left the building to her and it is up to her if she wants to sell it or own it like Granny did. This is why Granny sent her on the treasure hunt, in order to meet the people who lived in the building with them and learn their stories. She decides to keep the building as is and the tenants stay on. Britt Marie is the last to get a letter delivered from Granny and when she does, she has one in return for Elsa. Granny apologizes for dying and tells Elsa she'll be waiting in Miamis for her and that she loves her so damn much. That's a tough word. Miamis, yeah, it's out there so there's a lot more in this story as we're jumping back between the fairy tales and that was just kind of the main plot line to keep it more succinct and spoilers mm -hmm. so we'll get more into that here i wanted to start by talking about the other characters we got to know during spoilers and the fairy tale connections for them uh starting with Wolfhart, who we touched on briefly before spoilers he is the fabled warrior who defeated the shadow in the war without end but then retreated to the forest never to be seen what did you think as we learned the truth about him i mean his like fairy tale version very fitting obviously like real real wolf heart like the ptsd slash ocd that he's suffering from is rough i mean that was actually like kind of comedic when elsa and the worse are 
in his apartment and he's just like antibacterialing his hands like over and over and over and it was emotional you know to see somebody who like clearly had gone through some terrible shit and just the after effects and I can totally understand why he keeps to himself and doesn't really interact with anyone it was it was really tough because the other part of this too is how we learned that they're all connected in their own ways right and so Wolfhart and Sam were best friends and they served together and when they go, you know, they're, they're told to leave this village and they, they won't leave. So they decide to take as many kids as they can and put them in this uh, vehicle and, and drive them to safety. And on the way, they get ambushed and they hit like an IED and everyone is dead except for him and Sam. And Sam is very badly wounded. So as he's trying to get away with them, the ambush happens and he just kind of goes into a blackout stage of just trying to stay alive. And when he comes out of that, he realizes that the, the people who were attacking him were basically the same age as the kids he was trying to save because that's the part of the world they're in. And he never gets over that. And he does manage to save Sam. And then when they come home, he introduces Sam to the boy with the syndrome's mother and they get together. But even uh, Maude and Leonard say, like, we always thought he kind of loved her too, but he just, when he came home, he wasn't in a place where he could love her. So like, he's yeah. even looking out for her Although it didn't work out that way, obviously, with how yeah. Sam was too. But, you know, he was kind of saying, like, I, I'm not capable of this. Maybe this will make you happy kind of situation. So it was so heartbreaking and, and kind of like what we were touching on pre-spoilers. Like, every ounce of his body doesn't want to be near Elsa and this dirty yeah. dog. And, like, he makes the dog put booties on because, like, his whole world oh. has to be clean now. And he's just yeah. sitting there, like, cleaning around the dog on the floor because he's just so OCD with that now. And, like... He has to run away a, a few different times where he just can't take what's yeah. happening, but yeah. he still shows up when you need him, you know, for the most part. I think one time yeah. Elf steps in to help her instead of him, but almost every other time Wolfhard is there. And it's just so, again, just you're taking a fairy tale, you're bringing it to life. And it just felt so realistic because we hear those stories all the time about people that go and, and see war and then, then they come home, they're just not the same. It's so heartbreaking. Yeah. Have you seen, I'm sure you have, those images, like the before and after images of people like service members who before they go to war and then after, and it's just like rough, yeah. just the look on their faces. Yeah, it's uh, it's a real shitty part of our society. Um, right? To get political, maybe we should take care of them when they get, when they get home too. You oh, know? like oh. definitely, not maybe. <laughs> yeah. But back um, to our back to our book podcast. Back to our book podcast. Um, yeah, I thought that he was um obviously a super realistic character, and I appreciated how he was portrayed, like in terms of his interactions with Elsa. Like you're saying, like there's so many times where he was like, hundred percent, I don't want to be here right now," <laughs> but he showed up because he is a really good dude. I also really liked how like his real name like never came up he's just Wolfhart and just I Wolfhard. like that <laughs> and before that he was like the werewolf the monster. or something right it wasn't he just the monster no so he was the monster in the house but remember oh, Franny had all the pictures above her bed of the people she had helped and he was That's one right. of them he was the werewolf boy or something like that because something like that yeah because like if I'm not mistaken like he had known Granny because she had saved him when he was like a kid I was a little like unsure uh, about some of the stories maybe I like misinterpreted something but I had also thought that like he was a child soldier but really it wasn't it was what you were saying 
I think he was too. Oh, I, okay. I think Granny saved him. Um, yeah. Because then he talks about how he was never able to find his mother again. Right. And I think Granny right. brings him back here. And they touch on that either in one of the stories or when Maude and Leonard are telling the story about how one went to war because he had that anger and that was Sam. And one yes. went because he wanted to bring peace. And right. that, that was uh, Wolfhart because he was trying to stop what had happened to him basically from happening to others. And that was kind of his whole reason for going. Okay. So I didn't misread that then. No, yeah. both both happened to him. Okay. <laughs> if you think you got a raw deal, yeah. it gets worse. He sure did. Yeah. Yeah, no, he was he was a really cool character. And so strong for her. Again, like just oh God, like yeah. you're saying, like just knowing that this eight-year-old, almost eight-year-old needs you and, and knowing mm-hmm. you have to be there was very powerful. Totally. His, his story. So the next one, we have the woman in the black skirt and she is the sea angel uh, who became a snow angel after losing the 99 other angels as they jumped off a cliff to stop the wave from coming. And we learn her story as Granny found her in a square as she was looking over the body of bodies of her children and her husband because they were on vacation and a tsunami hit. And Granny went to help because that's what she did. And that's where she found her. And she brought this woman back and moved her in and basically tried to give her a place where she could hopefully recover. But Really, for the last eight years, she's just kind of been a, a drunk because that's what she is every night. She's she's drunk and singing out in the hallways and yelling and screaming and then eventually passes out. But we learn her story and we see that she used to be a, psych, a psychologist and kind of how just grief has taken its toll on her. Yeah. And that was the thing, like the all the more connections about how Wolfhart had gone to see her as in her role as a psychologist or psychiatrist elsa calls it like a psycho psycho terrorist yeah. <laughs> yeah. um or therapist or something it was something not quite terrorist but it yeah. was like it was just a funny like well she's just a little kiddo yeah but like to and i'm sure that this is i'm not sure i am suspicious that this is the case for a lot of psychologists, psychiatrist type people is that like they are just as damaged as the people that they're trying to help. I felt really bad for this lady. I mean, like she also had a pretty tragic scenario happen. And I really loved the relationship that she ends up having with the boy with the syndrome and that sort of hopeful note that was there. Yeah, she was... Her interactions with Elsa were really interesting. Like, Elsa really does a good job of being a kid enough to be ignorant of certain social norms to the point of, like, pushing somebody to understanding something or pushing somebody to, like, confront an issue. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think, like, part of that was Granny's plan, too. Like, even Mm -hmm. as she's saying sorry and having Elsa deliver this, like, she knows Elsa's this, like, curious, curious, curious needler that yeah. it's going to like get under these people's skin and maybe that's what they need the kick they need like granny i think part of what she's sorry for is well she thought she was helping these people giving them a place to live especially these two she right. wasn't really helping them move on and and she no. couldn't get them to kind of get out of their own way in order to to relive their or return to their life right 
And the thing like with that whole, that story, the story of the sea angel is about how monsters can sometimes be born, right? Because right. that's what she says, like the sea angels were these beautiful creatures that you would want to like see, but then she became, she shed that skin and became a snow angel because sometimes the world can turn you into a monster kind of situation. So it's again, one of those things where it's just teaching Elsa a lesson and then she's seeing it firsthand. Like she doesn't know right. who this woman was, but she does see glimpses of her as she gets to see inside of her apartment and see like the pictures of her family and all that and kind of understand maybe what she went through. And that's also, you know, the interesting combination there where they talk about how that was the day Elsa was born was mm -hmm. the day of that tsunami. So it's just another connection between the neighbors and, and her. Yeah. The next one we had was mom, whose real name is Ulrika, which I just like saying that. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. And only, and only Brit Marie called her that. Yep. But, uh, she was the girl who said no, but also the queen. So this is the story about how everybody was fighting because you had a chance to, uh, if you said no, it would create conflict. So the queen decided to stop all conflict. You couldn't say no. And then eventually it was like, you also got rid of nope and maybe and like all these other words. And, basically and then you became, can't sing or you can't have fun. Yes. Or, like it everything is terrible. It became this city of gray. And then eventually this girl shows up and says no and says no directly to the queen. And everybody thinks that it's going to go horribly for this girl. She's going to be sent to like the, the torturer's chamber or whatever. And instead the queen is like, broken up this spell and, and they bring it back and it, I didn't get this one as much as the other one where her mom says I I think I was both I think I was the queen and also I was the the girl who said no I don't know if you had any more insight on that than I did I did not pick that one up the only thing I can think of is that like she maybe grew into the girl who said no and broke the spell you know like maybe the queen was her in her teenage rebellious years where she like didn't want any part of what granny was trying to do which like admittedly maybe too little too late but still she could have been less no about it <laughs> or less i don't know unfun about it but then the girl who says no is maybe like her as an adult when she's now a mom and she now has all of these other responsibilities and was like i'm putting my foot down i don't know so i almost took it the exact opposite where i thought she, as a teenager she started rebelling against uh her mother against granny and that was her being the girl who said no and kind of like kicked granny into this like i don't know because we know the fairy tales are older than elsa so yeah. you know maybe that's about the time she meets wolfheart when he's a child and like that's when the fairy tales start coming because she has now brought life back into the queen who at that time is granny and then she grows up the girl who says no grows up and becomes the queen and then it's elsa now who becomes the girl who says no where we see that a couple times throughout the book where she even says like i see mom does this and she laughs and like mom you know when they run away from the hospital after getting a police escort there because the policeman misunderstands that her mom's pregnant not actually oh, going yeah. into labor and then her mom's like laughing about how ridiculous that situation is like it's almost like she is breaking her out of that shell again i, okay. I could be i don't know but like that was the one I felt like wasn't explained Super quite clear. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that that's what's neat about the like fairy tale aspect and what we learn of the actual people and how it's kind of open to interpretation in some respects. Because like the fairy tale is just sort of like a loose approximation of maybe you could fit this person into that role. Yeah. And I also just appreciated that even when like Elsa was bringing up 
the stories, her mom knew them. For yes. the like her mom knew them. And I think that that's one of those cool things where like maybe she was resistant to Granny's like shenanigans. <laughs> but like those things still stuck with her. Cause I imagine that she was probably she wasn't it wasn't like she the mom was gonna be around them. She wouldn't be around to hear Granny tell Elsa the stories, but I imagine that the gra- Granny is the type that would have told these stories also to her mom. Because if Wolfheart was like around the same age as mom or you know close, close enough. enough yeah and i think i think she said they had a falling out when she got tired of her mother telling her fairy tales over the phone i think that was the big difference okay yeah Where because she, did... she was never like there she was just trying to yeah okay yeah because we get into that when we learn about the the police officer that they only call green eyes um mm-hmm. but Mom and Green Eyes were best friends growing up. And Green Eyes was another one who Granny saved because Elsa asked her that at the end, like, who'd you know first? She's like, your Granny. And they right. get to, another one of those things that just makes sense. Bringing people together kind of was Granny's, one of her many superpowers. Right. Um, but their story is the Golden Knights uh, who laughed away fear and saved the Telling Mountain from the Noween, the Noween, whatever the Noween is what I was pronouncing Noween. it as. Because basically the Noween had taken over and the fears were growing as the knights came to fight it. And if the cloud animals can't go to the Telling Mountain, fairy tales can't leave the land can't of leave. awake. And so we these would two- never know them. We would never know them. So these two golden knights came and laughed at the fears because if you laugh at your fears, you know uh, that you get rid of them. So um, just what'd you think of that? What'd you think of Green Eyes too as a character? I thought Green Eyes was cool. I felt like it was a scenario where it would have been maybe neat to to learn more about her and her like in reality story um, because she wasn't a member of the household. She was just sort of an auxiliary acquaintance. I mean, from Elsa's point of view i mean it was obviously really clever of her to put things together in terms of that was what i thought was cool about elsa her observation skills she rolls real good on those perception (laughs) rolls like when she's seeing the people together and seeing how her mom and green eyes interact and all that stuff and i i don't know i love the idea of a badass lady cop that like kind of didn't she say that granny was the one that put the idea in her head to become a cop because yeah. that was a conversation that they'd had like you can't you have to protect everybody you can't like choose who to protect yeah um and i i appreciate that i feel like it was neat that that there was more involved there were more people involved than just the people in the apartment building which of course like with the funeral we got that impression too there were tons of people that knew granny or were part of her life but the green eyes was also closely connected to her mom was pretty cool it also made sense too with how and granted we find out later, you know, chapter two later that she's terminally ill, but like how the green eyes and the other cop were kind of like, all right, we're going to let you go. Like with the whole breaking into the zoo and throwing poop at the cops and guards and all that. Like I could it does see- make more sense. Yes. Yeah. Like I could see um, some people just have that, like some law enforcement or whatever first responders have that where it's like, I know Karen. Yeah. We, yes. we run in, we've had a lot of run-ins and it kind of felt well, like that way with granny where they're like, well, we know granny. And so it's kind of like them just being like, this is just granny. And then you could oh, on a Thursday, this is just what happens. Right. And then you could have just put it off as like, Oh, they know she's terminally ill. So they just let it slide. But then you learn again, another person that she saved another person that she pushed towards helping other people, like the connections on connections on connections. It just made, well, 
and it also like the fact that at the beginning there when the one cop is talking to the dude cop is talking to them and is kind of getting like exasperated and then brings in her and you're like oh at first i was like oh it's just because like she might know her she's a lady like she maybe has more patience but then you're like oh okay it's because they actually know each other Yeah, I did enjoy that. And again, just a, a very tertiary character that still made yeah. a good imprint on our oh, story and on Elsa. Uh, and then you kind of see, she says that at the end, like when they're celebrating Christmas, how like green eyes came and like she gets to see a little bit of her old mom. Like it's another side of her mom that, that uh, she doesn't know about. Yeah. yeah. And I, I feel like that's another thing with kids. Like we think our parents are such a certain way. And then you see them like with a certain person or somebody who knows them from a different time. And it's like, wait, who are you? <laughs> well, and- Totally. And I think that that was something like that throughout the whole story, because of what was going on with Granny's apology letters, like obviously Elsa's coming to the realization that Granny was not a great mom. And so she she understands that like when her mom was Elsa's age, shit was not great. But I also think that knowing her knowing green eyes and knowing that like her mom, when she was her age, had this friend and had these, you know, like you don't, like you were saying, you don't really think of your parents as anything other than the age that they're at when you're, you know, they're like this thing, like they're fully formed and they're adult. (laughs) They were not kids. So I think having, uh, I guess not really experience, but that recognition that, that your mom was your age and had a friend and whatever else is yeah, she she hasn't always been this like stick up her ass fucking all exactly person that she sees exactly. her as so next we have an interesting one and that's brit marie so brit marie is the princess karen she's the karen she is the karen but <laughs> come on we learn why so she's the princess uh that was bit by a worse who the king and queen then banished the worse only for her to later on hunt them down and bring the worses back to help win the fight against the shadow and end the war without end. And uh, we learned Brit and Marie's past and it is definitely, again, it's just one of those situations about a broken person that you can relate to because shitty parenting is not something anybody owns a monopoly on. So her sister is this like golden child. I think she's the older sister and the the family gets into a car accident the mom does and granny was at the house at the time and she runs down and she notices one of them is still breathing and the other isn't so she grabs the one who is still breathing and rushes her to the hospital runs her to the hospital literally and saves her life and that is Britt marie and because of that her mother tells granny you saved the wrong one like you fucked up why didn't you save my golden child you saved this one instead and then what a jerk of just again, parents, man, they're it's not a monopoly on having bad parents. There are plenty of them no. out there. And again, it just makes it make sense. And then you learn about all her tics and how insecure she is and how mm-hmm. like rules need to be followed and this, that. And like she's got her own world built up in this building. And she's so set on pleasing and keeping Kent happy, her husband, that it's like it's just so sad as you pull back layer and layer on Britt Marie and learn more about her as you just see this person that's been kind of just trapped from how she was raised. Yeah. And like, I totally is understandable that she says, like you say, as as regimented as she is, she probably had to work so hard as a young kid to like meet expectations and never did. And I just, I feel, I do feel bad for her. I do appreciate all of the moments that she and Elsa had 
where basically Elsa was like, well, you're not a total shit. Yeah. Like literally said that to her face, which like chef's kiss. But I can understand how that type of person is so grating. Like, I know you went through some shit, but like, I just don't want to be around you. <laughs> there was quite a few times that I really loved their interactions where what you're saying, where Elsa would say she was a shit or then she would walk away from the interaction and say, she was. And because of that, it made it really hard to not like Brit Marie or something yeah. like that, where it was like, okay, she's like, she gets it. Elsa is, is getting it. The other thing with her that I, I loved was when Elsa puts together that, that Brit Marie is the princess of the story. And it's the night she breaks down about Kent, I believe. And the worse stays sleeping on the landing of her floor in front of her door after she goes in and Elsa says well that makes sense because the worst has always protected the princess after she brought them back and it's just another one of those like really like well again just always talking about the writing where it's like that moment that's such a beautiful moment is one line of this book so simple such a simple idea but just to have that in there was such a beautiful moment that gives you a little bit of a smile as you're like oh fuck (laughs) (laughs) absolutely so Bremery's grading on so many levels but that one moment when like elsa is watching the interaction with like their door is open like what is this a college dorm room like or dorm where you're just like leaving your doors open for people to like pop in anyway ken's an asshole and like he's like in the bathroom doing some shaving or something and he's like Brie marie like where's my razor blah 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 and she's like it's in the this drawer it's always there and then elsa later sees her put it back in like a totally different drawer and i was like this bitch yes <laughs> but it's also sad because she says like, i know why do you do that and she's like well i i, I kind of like it when he yells my name oh like i feel so bad for her because it's the type of person that like you see in a scenario where you're like this is unhealthy for you and you deserve better but like they can't see that and they don't realize that that they do deserve better i just poor Britt marie again i mean basically groomed by her parents to know that she didn't deserve better and then it, it's tough yeah. for her because when she gets with kent kent has two kids of his own he doesn't want any more kids those are enough but that's another connection where because granny is gone so long and especially after her grandfather mm-hmm. dies or uh her mom's dad, mom's dad. Rip Marie ends up taking care of uh mom basically yeah. from when she's a teenager until whatever because again granny's always gone in and her he- like worst douchey years too so like poor Brit oh, Marie again <laughs> and it's interesting too because there's like there is that respect but there's also like Brit Marie is kind of there's like I'm friction. still parenting you yeah and mom is like I'm an adult now. I don't like, first yeah. of all, you're not even my real parent, but like, I appreciate what you did for me, but also you need to step the fuck back. Well, I mean, not for nothing. I would have that same attitude because like nine times out of 10, the things out of Britt Marie's mouth to mom were condescending as fuck. Oh like, my God. Yeah. And also stop saying her name. Like that is just like a thing that I'm not sure I'm comfortable with when in a conversation with somebody, they use your name repeatedly. I don't think I like that. And that's the reason like all these characters have the names they have because that's how Elsa sees them. Brit Marie is the only one who calls mom Ulrika. That's <laughs> the only reason we know her name because she's yeah. the one that does that, which I think is just, again, going off that dynamic between them. I will say whenever I like yell at Amanda, uh, you know, not yell, I'm not angry, but you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, Amanda! Yell like, she'll <laughs> be like, don't use my government name. <laughs> my government name. No, like the few times that I've like <laughs> addressed Barry as Barry, he's like, why, what? Yeah, what? 
This is weird. Huh? It is weird, yeah. but it does make you feel good when you're the one doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like we, I guess you'd call it pet names, but like, that's a weird term, but like, we don't usually use our first names unless yeah. we're referring to each other to somebody else. Also helps when you're the only other person in the house. Like, you know, yeah, you like, hey, hey, you. you. Yeah. <laughs> Although I'm sure Amanda thinks I'm talking to myself half the time anyway. So <laughs> um, getting back to the book, we can now talk about Kent, but we have uh, Kent and Elf. They're the two princes who fought for the princess's hand and stopped speaking to each other, basically creating a war between each other over this princess's hand. And then we learn in real life Alf, Alf and Brit Marie were a thing and then Alf went off to war and in a different yeah. war than Wolfheart okay. and Sam because he's older and then when he came back he cheated on Brit Marie and she saw or found out and then they broke it off and then he was too shit to go and talk to her so Kent picked up the pieces after his divorce and there was always a competition for them. So Kent felt like this was him winning a competition rather than treating Brit Marie like a person. So they like, when Alf and Kent, we find out that they're brothers, that was very surprising to me. Was it? I did like, cause they just talk about how they're always arguing and shit. Like I did not picture them being, I, I guess I should have by that point were seeing connections, but I, I did not put that together beforehand. No, I, I, um... I mean, I guess maybe I didn't put it together beforehand, but I would say it was not surprising to me when they were like, yeah, we're, we're brothers. Like, especially when I started getting inklings that Alf had feelings for Brett Marie, I was like, mm, yep, that's going to be a like love triangle scenario. Kent can fuck right off. So He's such a dick. Also, yeah. I love Alf. And like the whole time I was worried that he was going to kick the bucket. And like, there was some time when they were driving in the taxi and- she said he like grabbed his he like rubbed his chest so I was like oh no it's gonna happen while they're in the car he's got a pacemaker we're like oh yeah god. they talk about somebody having a heart attack you're like oh god it's fucking out yeah. it's gonna be out i guess we'll start with him we'll go with the good first and then we'll talk about the shit okay good alf was so fucking awesome throughout love, like same love his name yeah perfect. totally picturing alf like yeah. alf, alf. <laughs> alf with a leather jacket who drives a taxi mm-hmm. but throughout Kind of similar to Wolfhart, but not as strong a degree where he was like, your granny asked me to protect you and I'm going to. And then see him like drag his shoes like he does and just be like, oh my, like, really, kid? Like, why are you waking me up? Oh, it's 10 o'clock. Well, I work nights. Like, blah, blah, blah. Like every interaction they had, you could see his heart melting. But at the same time, he wanted to be a hard ass about it. And it was just, he was awesome because he was always there when he needed her. Totally. And I feel like he's the kind of guy that had things worked out with him and Britt Marie. Like they would totally have kids. They would, you know, like I feel like he's a softy in actual fact. Yeah. But like all of these choices that he's made has like hardened him a little bit. Um, and I say choices he's made because those were his choices. <laughs> it's fair. Yeah. Um, and it sucks that he wasn't ballsy enough to like go and chat with her after because like poor girls just getting cheated on left and right. <laughs> And everyone knows. But that, I, like you were saying, I, I, him and Britt Marie being a thing, I thought was way more obvious than the brother's situation. Same. Because Elsa asks if him and Granny uh, had an affair. Right. Because she learned what that word was. And he's like, ah, it's none of your business, whatever. And he, she's like, well, haven't you been in love? And he's like, I'm 65. Of course I've been in love. And she's like, well, what was it like? He's like, well, I've been in love once when I was 10 and never again. And I think that was the big, like, Oh, it's Britt Marie for sure. Well, um, and I think like she figured it out quite quick. Yes. So I, I did. 
he was just again just always there when when she needed him i said that wrong last time but also another thing with that so she talks about how the wardrobe in granny's room is yes big enough for her where even if she's growing it's growing to her and then Alf always smells like wood shavings and he's like he's been changing he's it slowly growing wardrobe i mean what a fucking beautiful See, thing he's the is. kind of guy that like secretly would love to have had kids miss his chance like and is like hesitant to to break the spell of his facade it doesn't want to be called a softie a softie he is yeah yeah so let's go 180 and talk about how much of a shit kent was because that was the other quite obvious thing that kent was having an affair the entire nobody's on the phone to germany that frequently klaus Ah. And he's always like yelling about, I mean, like also when Bur Marie is like not confessing because she doesn't have anything to confess, I guess confessing that she knew the whole time when they're at the hospital after Kent has a heart attack, fucking good riddance. I mean, like he's fine. Annoyingly, he's fine. But that she's like, yeah, I make him put or I ask him to put his jacket or his shirt in the laundry immediately because I don't wear perfume, but she does like girl GTFO. He does not, not deserve who she you. Is. That's not I who know. she is, you know? And I get that. I totally do. But it just makes me really sad for her. And Kent uh, is a douche. Kent is a douche. And the, like the whole thing with his kids where he doesn't really even like have control over them. Like they're older now. They don't come to Christmas. But Britt Marie still like pretends that they do because she buys lollipops and comic books because that's the last time they came where they were kids. And that's what they like. But they still never come. And that was such a like everything about Britt Marie was so heartbreaking as you learned more and more about her totally. situation. It was you're like, just get out. But you can see that she's so very she's broken. Wooden. Yeah, that she can't. Yeah, I um saw in the back of the book that there's another book about Britt, Britt Marie. Marie was here. I kind of don't hate the idea of reading a book about that, but I'm not sure that I'd have the stomach for it. So I almost that this and Brit Marie was here were next to each other. I, you both used like basically the same price on the bookshelf, and I read the backs, and without knowing Brit Marie was in this book. Oh, interesting! It was the the fantasy component of this. Yeah. one. I was like, all right, let's let's start here and see where that goes. So, well, it was definitely the right choice starting could've, there. Yeah, could have been a much different podcast. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure it would have been equally as poignant. I'm well, sure. maybe not equally, but it would have been poignant nonetheless. So Alf is great. Ken can fuck off. Our last story has to do with the boy with the syndrome. And this is the story of the chosen one. So the chosen one who was carried away by cloud animals and pre- protected by all of Miamis, uh, by everyone who united to save him. And this talks about how all of the kingdoms came together to protect this chosen one and how it started the war with the shadows, the never-ending war. And we learned that this is the boy with the syndrome, and we this is the one we actually touched about on in spoilers. So you kind of know the story where Leonard and Maud had a bakery that Granny would go to, and that was the thing, cinnamon rolls. Everything can be solved with cinnamon rolls. And then the fact that Maud's cookies were called dreams. So cinnamon rolls and dreams were what you always needed. And they said Granny was just somebody they could confide in. So when they confided in what was going on with their son and their daughter-in-law and the baby, Granny just said, get what you need. You're coming to live with me and and brought them in and gave them their own apartments. So this one was the one that 
I was like, okay, I think it was about the chosen one. This one took me the longest to find again, because by the time we learned that story, this fairy tale is about 200 pages before. And I think the chosen one is mentioned a couple times, but really the story is only told once. So it's interesting that it happened so early before, like, cause we don't even really deal with the boy with the syndrome until much, much later on in the book. He's referenced, um, but there's not, he's not like part of it. Yeah, he's not really around. And then when I was wondering for a minute where Elsa was like comparing them to each other and they're like, well, we kind of look alike. And we're like, okay, wait a second. Where are we going with this? But then it was just like, no, um, we're the same um, age and we're both kind of just kids. It was like, oh, okay. Um, so that it makes the issue with the confusion of Sam make more sense. Exactly. Yeah. So again, just another situation where Granny is sticking her neck out there for people and like, whatever her relationship with Leonard and Maude was like, she's just going above and beyond to being like, you're in a bad situation. I'm going to help you. That's who granny was like, this is, this will, we'll get into it with the next question, but it was just another one of those situations where a not great mother, but a really great person. And that's really tough to juggle when it's your mother. You know, <laughs> It's a lot different perspective for you. Yeah, totally. I think that the boy with the syndrome was super sweet and like I said before when we were talking about the woman with the black skirt like their connection was super sweet and how there was I think it was Christmas dinner or something where the whole building was together and the boy with the syndrome goes like right up to woman in the black skirt and like boops her nose steals her nose or does like yeah. something cute and Maude is like he's not usually like that immediately close with somebody and then like it's just exactly the kind of thing that she needs and totally tracks that a kid like that who probably has some sensitivities that the rest of us don't have recognizes that that's what was needed and it was just like ooh. <laughs> it was a really precious moment and then when uh, the mother comes to get him and and the woman in the black skirt is like oh just a few minutes longer like you you always expect that from like you were saying earlier you know like your parents would be like okay we're gonna no just a few more minutes like that right was <laughs> reverse there as she's asking for that I thought it was just so uh, just another one of those really nice moments where you see that healing process is starting for that woman and like you said maybe maybe the boy realized or just sensed that that was something that she needed the other thing I really appreciate about him is that he's a year younger then Elsa so as we get into the epilogue and we'll talk about it then but the bookends of this story it starts with all seven-year-olds need superheroes and that's why granny is my superhero to the end where this boy is now at school and Elsa is eight and but he is still seven and all seven-year-olds need superheroes so I'm going to be his superhero and I just thought that was such a nice full way to finish this book and leave you with that really pleasant feeling where it's just it's very powerful uh in, in its own way as Elsa is also maturing and now she's kind of like getting bumped up also with her brother now she has to look after Haffy whose name is Harry. Harry but she kind of gets a practice run with the boy uh with the syndrome there so and I just love that that theme of like superheroes is just so steady throughout the whole thing yeah um, and when she points out that's that's his superpower you know, like yeah. being able to yeah. do this, that's their superpower. Like mom's very like, nice. That's her superpower. And even, and this is, I don't remember if you had him on the list, but because he's not part of the stories, but I really just briefly want to touch on her dad <laughs> um, and George, if we could. No, 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 we can't. This is, this no, isn't half your podcast. Get out of here. <laughs> so I, I think like the superhero aspect and attributing 
superpowers to people fits so well with her dad and with George, her stepfather. And I love that her dad is like the exact opposite of her mom and her grandma and her and just like everybody in general. He sounds like a freaking stick in the mud, but like so cute how she can recognize his superpowers and like I mean fonts fonts are his superpowers like and there was this really I think maybe it was in the epilogue maybe not but like that moment where they're in the car and they're talking about stuff and he's listening to the Harry Potter books because he wants to like be up to speed with the things that interest her and like just the little things because like the whole time you're seeing him through her eyes and you're seeing her response to his reactions when he said when she says things like when he picks her up from school when it's like not really his scheduled time to do so and he's like you want to do do something fun and she's like he sounds hesitant and like reading it sort of thinking about it afterwards I was like probably he wasn't probably that was also like projecting a little bit you know and I just appreciated that they had that moment of like kind of her recognizing that he was like really trying hard and that like she this whole time had thought that like hair him and his new wife like didn't want them around because they have other kids that they're dealing with and like I just oh it was so precious (laughs) it was another one of those situations with her being eight shines through because she's going through the same thing with happy and her mom and George where she's saying when happy comes mom and George will love them and they're not going to love me. And I don't know where I'm going to be. And, and dad is with the set and the set has two kids. And I'm not like, I'm not allowed to be there. Or like, right. yeah, I feel I'm not. Feeling like she's putting on them something that she doesn't, she shouldn't be. Yeah. Like she is a. Um, a burden. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's a burden to them when she shows up. So like she has every other weekend and she knows like, oh, that's probably too much. So like you were saying, like when dad is like, do you want to do something fun? Her response is, I know he's just saying that and he'd rather go home to Lisette and the the other kids because he's happy with them. But that's just her uh, projecting that onto him. And what he's saying, like you said, he probably is definitely being like, you want to do something. But also I'm like, he's very definitely introverted. Where oh, 100%. It three weeks to figure out the font for something that happened two and a half weeks ago because he missed the deadline, but it'll still hand it in and be like, here's your, you I'm know, really proud of the work I did on this. I'm really proud of the font for this bake sale thing that you don't happened. need anymore. Maybe you can use it next year. But I love that they had that moment of like her saying, like her finally saying like, I want to spend more time at your house. Cause like now that Haffy's here, like they're not going to have as much time for me and her expecting him to be like finding excuses not to do that. And him being like showing his true colors and being like, I want you whenever you want. And, and like, her- it makes sense that they didn't want to do that at the outset when granny was still alive. And he says that like, we didn't want to take you away from granny. And now and- things have changed. And he mentions that too, where she's like, you know, I'm sure you and Lissette want to have, you know, more kids or whatever. And he's like, no, we don't want to have kids. And she's like, well, because you're happy with the two that that you have. And he's like, no, because you're perfect. Like, oh. you ruined it. You you are the perfect kid. I don't want another one. It's like, again, just her expectations are so, or her beliefs are so far from the truth because she's just projecting, like you said. And your point right there was perfect. Like, 
everyone saw how important granny was to her it's mentioned even on the back of the book her one and only friend is granny so that was the thing i don't want to take you out of that house that's your house we wanted you to see it as your house that's where you've always lived i felt bad pulling you to me and lisette's house especially when like granny was there or something like... yeah like i didn't and I, like i didn't want you to hate me like i'm taking up your time and i'm taking you away from granny like but she never saw it that way because he was always dad and like Oh, so their relationship was so, again, believable, strong, and and really, like, this is a story of happy endings and good feelings. And, like, again, when you're getting into that, it's okay. So that was just a nice closing, closing of the circle for them where it's like, okay, we're going to, we're going to be okay. We're going to be better than okay moving forward. It was really nice to for them to have that moment. A hundred percent. There was also that really cute moment where she was like, I have to come clean and tell you that like that text I sent from mom's phone was me. And he was like, oh, I knew like the grammar was perfect. And I love that they share that kind of like they have the word jar and they have all these things that like connect them and their personalities together. And what was the other thing? Oh, with dad and Lisette. I like when they have that, com- uh, her and, him and Elsa have the conversation about her parents' marriage versus like dad and Lisette situation and how, you know, she was kind of getting at like, did you guys fall out of love? Were you ever in love? Like, is that a thing? And he was like, well, we were trying, like, the good kind of love is the kind where you don't try to change somebody. And like, that was super cute when they ended up going back to um, dad and Lisette's house and Lisette and her are watching Star Wars and she's quoting the whole thing. And dad was like, I don't fucking know if she's seen it. And I'm, and it was just so typical dad yeah and also just a really cute moment where she's like coming to her own in terms of this big family she has and it just oh it's so cute and and allowing herself to open up to Lisette yes. too and same yes. thing with the same thing with George because part of that conversation oh. is getting to him that you want to talk about on your podcast George has a lot of superpowers <laughs> and when when mom is in the hospital right mom is in the hospital giving birth to happy and george is there but then everything happens with the worst and so elsa's had an emotional day and then when she sees george she ends up running up and hugging him and uh, in that conversation later on with her dad she like apologizes to her dad for it and he's like no like i want you to i want you to have a relationship with george and he's like she's like so you were okay you weren't jealous and he was like i was jealous but um, it's still okay that moment was hilarious when then he was like oh, no, I'm not upset. And she's like, you can be a little upset. And then she's like, that's too much upset. And it was yes. like this back and forth of, it was so cute. Oh, <laughs> I also like going to piggyback and if that's cool, if I could move on with my podcast here. Um, <laughs> the George aspect, like I love how frequently she was like, it's George's superpower to be awesome, but I don't like him. And Everyone like, loves him. So for that reason, I don't. Yeah, which like oppositional defiance for the win and totally an eight-year-old move or almost eight-year-old move. But George was great and I loved how he was always asking everybody if they want some eggs. Always making eggs. Well, what's his face? Leonard's always making coffee, like literally all the time. And having backup coffee, just in case. And having backup coffee. That man probably pees a lot. (laughs) 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 And never sleeps. I did appreciate that. She said that about Lisette too. Like everybody loves Lisette, but I won't love her either. And so like, that was her growth as well. But yeah, George and George seemed really perfect to know his place. Uh, yeah. Like, and not try to like go more or whatever. He wasn't yeah. trying to be like uh Carrie Elway's in Liar Liar. It's the claw. <gasps> You're afraid of the claw. Like, 
knew who he was. So good. But yeah, that's the thing too. Like just going through this list and being able to talk about all the, all the characters are so well written. So good. And again, the fact that they have all this connection to each other, how like there's, there's things there that you may not necessarily see until it's thrown to you. And how Granny, in one way or another, brought most, if not all, of them together. Like, it was just such a cool thing to 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 realize. And then the connection to the fairy tales, mm. which going back to pre-spoilers, where if you say you skipped the fairy tale parts of the book and you didn't like it or confused you. wrong. You did it wrong. Stop reading. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're changing, I, changing everything. Stop reading. <laughs> just don't. Oh, yeah. That's a, the new podcast. Don't, don't skim. I do think that, in general, like... Bachman's work is so character driven like I mean he he does a good like world building scenario if I mean especially with this one with the fantasy aspect or fairy tale aspect which we didn't get in A Man Called Uva but like even just the the apartment complex and the townhome situation that Uva was living in like those kind of scenarios where you have this like little microcosm of of society <laughs> or a family or whatever and just the characters within that are so epic and just so well fleshed out without being like, I need to know more about like, yes, you might want to, but it's not like you need to, to like fully understand what's going on. I just, he, he's just so good. Yeah. Instead of world building, he community builds. Yeah. And he community builds so goddamn well. Yeah. Um, and he brings like, I, I saw this speech by Taika Waititi recently where he talked about like diversity in film and everyone's like, well, you need like somebody who's LGBTQ and you need somebody who is from this race and this race and that and that gender and how they, whatever. He's like, that's not real. He's like, when I grew up, I just grew up with the people around me, like, and whatever. So if you want to be diverse, let us tell our stories. And like, I feel like his diversity isn't forced. Like it's right. it's there, but it's not necessarily like, oh, I got to include this. It's like, no, this is part of the story. This makes sense that that these people are here. These people are together. These people are a community. Like it's just, and, and we've talked about it before where like if you're world building inside of our own world, you have to live within those parameters. And he does really well with that. I mean, so well. the only thing I would say is like, sometimes I don't understand maybe some of the Swedish things. Like maybe there's some <laughs> stuff lost in translation. Like we talked right. about how this building would be set up or whatever like it doesn't seem like something we'd see in america because we either have a duplex or we have an apartment building that fits 100 like we don't really have the in-between so that's that's the only thing that i feel like gets a little bit lost but aside from that i feel like he's so well at writing and he like includes as much as he can and does so well with his characters like you were saying where you you may want to know more but it's not like you need to in order to understand the story exactly and like the community building that you mentioned I think that's like the perfect descriptor and I do think from like a other mediums vantage point for me I fully enjoy tv shows movies whatever where there's like an ensemble cast rather than like one protagonist that's the hero like this is totally up that alley and I think that's why I it resonates with me is because there's not I mean, yes, Elsa and Granny are like the lead, so to speak, but there's this massive supporting cast and not just the supporting as in extras, but supporting as in like foundationally. And it's just, it's so good. And I think that that's a part of it with the story, how we learn them, where you are piecing together, wait, that's the sea angel. That's this person. Like you were learning more of their stories without learning their stories. And that makes them a stronger character for you as yeah. you because you're investing time into it. 
Because you're totally. sitting there thinking like, wait, what was that story? How are they that person? What have they gone through? And then you're like, oh shit. Okay. Yeah, unless you skim, which is not the way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Bullshit. Um, one thing, speaking of translating, because I don't know if this was like part of it, but I don't know if you noticed, and I wish I'd done this from the very get-go. It started a tally, but demonstratively was in there maybe five or seven times, which like is too many for a 370 page book. Okay. I mean, and I don't, again, I don't know if it was like a translation aspect, like reading Babel made me think about that, how often things are mistranslated and that like translation is its own medium. No, it's its own, like, you're really potentially changing a lot. <laughs> well, it's like skipping ahead to my, my current selection, Cloud Cuckoo Land. They talk about in translating that where like, you're interpret you're interpreting you're interpreting what's written now granted you could ask Backman what he meant so maybe right. you know he's still alive so you can do that yeah. but that's another thing too on on that's what you're saying is in the books I've read about writing books they say like if you're going to do that there needs to be a reason because if somebody picks up on that if somebody says demonstratively was in here like seven times there better be a reason that you wanted it there otherwise like you're saying, you've used it too much. So I did not pick up on that, but that is an interesting thing that you caught. Well, it's just one of those words that like- Stands out. It, well, it stands out because I feel like it's, it's. I've definitely read it in other books. I think cacophony is in literally every single book we've ever read since we've had that conversation with Amanda. Cacophony. If that makes sense. And if it's there one to two times in a book, you're like, fine. But it's like an SAT word that- I understand that there are scenarios where it is applicable, but like fucking thesaurus that shit. <laughs> like there's gotta be something else yeah, that will fit the build. Not everybody is so demonstrative. Oh, oh. I mean, I don't even think that was used correctly. <laughs> what? Come on. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. What? All right. Anyway, so we just uh, spent an hour on one podcast question. <laughs> well, there were a lot of people to discuss. It's true. And like, I feel like that's part of it that like, I don't know, we did kind of give it away a little bit, but you don't want to give away the secrets to the sauce and how it was made. If you're going to read this without having, if you're going to listen to us without having read the book and maybe you want to go back and read it. I mean, this is, Backman is definitely is climbing up my list. Is that not part of that? Oh, we are now. I mean, but I'm just okay, saying that's like, why spoilers is going to go so long is because like, you. I did want to do this beforehand and like yes. kind of give it all away. Agreed. So, Agreed. Question two. Uh, so <laughs> I was wondering if your impression of Granny changed after you learned about her past, kind of from what we started with. So not necessarily what we learned about her past changed my opinion of her. I think that it was pretty obvious from titularly speaking from the cover of the book that she was going to have some shit to apologize for so I knew that she wasn't going to be the shining superstar that Elsa saw her as and the fact that all of it was so well-meaning like you were saying before you know she's putting herself on the line repeatedly for the good of other people at the detriment of her own child that sucks yes specifically for her own child and her child <laughs> but i think that that's probably pretty solid comparison to most people in that kind of that line of work or if not others i mean it would be a different thing entirely if granny had been a stockbroker 
and spent all this, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah, she's no, I get it. Yeah. something that was like keeping her away from her family for completely selfish reasons would be a totally different animal. The fact that she's this like amazing life-saving surgeon badass makes it understandable. And I don't want to say I forget. I mean, I guess I forgive her. I don't have any whatever. You have to. It's the seventh kingdom. I mean, that's right. But like, the only thing that changed my opinion was the letter that she wrote to Elsa and the absolutely atrocious spelling. I was like, is she trying to spell shit wrong? And how did she become a fucking surgeon with spelling that bad? Scribbles. You know, you can't read the handwriting anyway. Sure. But like, my God. Maybe old age too. Uh-huh. I mean, maybe maybe she was like really trying hard to spell shit wrong because Elsa, like I could imagine that being like kind of an inside joke where like she does it on purpose because Elsa's such a stickler for grammar that I don't want to say it's a test, but it's probably something that would be fun for, for Granny to be like, look at how smart my grandkid is because she's correcting all this shit that I did wrong on purpose. That's fair. And she would totally be that way because it would probably right? pick Elsa up by being like, I can correct this and yeah. make it smarter. Yeah, that's fair. The one thing that just popped in my head while you were talking about that was, and I didn't think about this before, but we hear from everybody about how Granny fought the social norms and how people told her she couldn't be a doctor, so she did. People told her she couldn't go to those war zones, so she did. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do this, blah, blah, blah. Do you think Granny ever wanted to be a mother? Because we talk about, or they talk about how she never was married. Like, uh, and the guy that she was with wasn't like her. It wasn't her only. <laughs> we know yeah. that for sure. Granny was promiscuous and all that. So maybe that's part of it where she ends up getting pregnant. It most definitely probably wasn't planned. And then sh- that's not something she wanted for her life. She wanted a life of proving people wrong. And like being a mother is almost the social norm. So is there maybe a little bit of her that rebuked that and, and maybe took it out on Elsa's mom and was like, well, I've got to keep going to these places need me. And so she was so, putting them above that because of that. So here's the way I interpreted it was that the guy that she, so mom's dad, so Elsa's grandpa was granny's like lover. And yes, she had many, but I envision this being maybe the guy that she did actually love to the point of being like, I will have your child and being like, no, like being, being into that idea. And then she has Elsa's mom and then sort of reality happens where she realizes that she can't stop doing what she's been doing and that that just doesn't minimize it, it it takes over her mom role yeah it's 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 unconscious really like she's not consciously thinking i'm gonna leave you behind because i didn't want this which is kind of more what i was saying it's more just like i know that the world needs me and this is what i meant to do yes. and like you have your father kind of situation. well and that's what my other point was going to be was that like she probably chose to go through with having elsa's mom with this man because she knew that this man would be a good father and like be able to stay there and you know like there's probably other scenarios like the the vicar lawyer doctor priest guy who maybe was like a fling but probably wouldn't have been a good stable place to have a child you know to be able to come back to does that make sense like yeah and i think to be fair to granny 
maybe where she went wrong was when the father died, when mom's yeah. father died, she didn't stop. Didn't stop. Exactly. And, and, and maybe that's where their angst comes from because she was a teenager. I think she was like, I don't know, somewhere in 13 to 16. Mm-hmm. And then her father, mom's father dies and granny just isn't there. And that's when right. Marie steps in. So maybe that's where more of that anger comes from where before you can understand, okay, well, at least I had dad. And right. now you're saying, well, now I don't have anyone. And like, for me, with this question, my perception of Granny didn't change. Like, I I, I saw this as her trying to, like I said, like, uh, do the... Uh, makeup for... Yeah, this is her makeup. This is her makeup test for being a bad parent with, with, well, the, child, with the grandchild. And, like, mom even says that, you know, she stopped... You know, Elsa asked why she stopped being basically a doctor without borders. And mom says, well, she got a new job. And, and Elsa's like, well, what was it? She's like, she's a grandmother. Like she, she came back from that tsunami the same day you were born. And that was her full-time job was to be your grandmother and to be your best friend. And like, that's the job she took on. And even I can also that she was jealous of it. I mean, I was going to say, I can fully understand why Elsa's mom and granny would have been at loggerheads all the time, because like to see that happen, to know that your mom was choosing when you were a teen to not be around because she had bigger fish to fry or whatever. But then as soon as your kid comes along, it'd probably be really difficult to not just flat out be jealous. And I think Elsa and her talk about that. She asks her straight up, like, were you angry at, I don't remember if she said at me or at granny, but she, she did. Like, yeah. yeah. But she was like, no, I was jealous. The, the relationship that Elsa and granny had is the relationship that Elsa's mom would have loved to have had with her mother. And she didn't get that. But at the same time, as a mother, she could recognize that this was so critical and was never going to take that away. Like her dad was saying, too, like, you know, we didn't when we got divorced and I moved away, like we decided that you would stay here all the time because granny was here. We weren't going to mess with that. And I think the mom is fully on board with that plan and having I mean, probably is helpful to her because she's and she says this, too, that she's ending up doing exactly what her mom did being away all the time and working all the time and and I think when granny was alive that was less painful or obvious for everybody because she had granny but now that granny's dead Elsa's mom and Elsa's mom now has another kid but like that's a that's a shift that's gonna need to and it was it was an interesting thing too because who was pounding that drum before granny died was Britt Marie who was there yeah. to pick up the pieces of mom when granny wasn't there. And she's the one that's constantly in mom's face doing the passive aggressive. Well, like mother, like daughter. Well, Elrica, you don't believe that. Yeah. Saying like, you went through this kind of situation. So I don't know, maybe Britt Marie wasn't as much of a bitch as she was portrayed as. Right. Uh, the last thing with this question, I think it, it's just, it's easier for us to say no or like, you know, whatever, because we're not her kid. Again, I think I may have said this earlier, like being the daughter is a very different situation when you're trying to look for forgiveness because you're the one who actually lived through that. Being the outsider looking in, be like, no, granny was still awesome. She had her reasons. Yeah, we didn't feel any of the ill effects where mom obviously did. Well, and not only that, but like Elsa herself, like says that she's super angry at granny for like all the things she learned about her, mainly the way that she dealt with her own mom being like okay well you left your kid and like that's borderline unforgivable yeah but then like obviously all of the people that she meets in the building and all of the other like pictures on the ceiling that are the people that her granny helped i think she 
recognizes at least a little bit of the reasons why that it like I was saying before that it wasn't just some selfish like I don't want to be around my kid it's that I did I what I made this really big sacrifice a sacrifice for myself and my poor kid was suffering but look at all these people that I saved did you ever watch the good place um like maybe one or two episodes so this is the first place I've seen it and I've seen it now I was mentioned in this book the trolley problem where like you're on a trolley it's a runaway yeah, you choose you one say? track and you kill one person that you know or you choose the other track and you kill five people you don't know and it's a moral quandary yeah. and they mentioned that because that's what happened to Elsa's mom she was the one person like because of her sacrifice Granny was around to save, save all those people, people on the ceiling and that's the thing that can't be overlooked like you just said yes Granny made the sacrifice but also mom did and like the fact that they can have a relationship at all shows great growth from mom uh, sure, totally. you know granny had to be there too but also like mom had to accept her back so and, and not only not only her her mom and granny but like her mom and everyone else in the building i mean like they're all connected in some way to something that granny was directly involved in and to have it be like okay i saved all these people or i had you know i was directly involved in in saving these people and you were the victim of that and now you have now they're now they're your community that's such a solid thing that i didn't think about because that is what elsa felt at the funeral times yeah. a thousand because yeah. they're in your face all the time and they do have those experiences with your granny that or with your mom that you will never have and that is something i did not that's got to be it's got to be rough but at the same time you look at like yeah, I think that she probably was not necessarily blinded to it, but, like, didn't have to sit in it a lot because she was working so much and, like, she's not around a lot. But she's always really involved with, like, the leaseholder meetings and she's involved with the building and she's involved with people, like, having people over to her house and or, like, her apartment, whatever. And so I think, like, she is trying to work beyond the pain of being like all of this shit is right in my face and creating a community out of it and i think that is probably the the treasure hunt or whatever it is that granny sent elsa on and how her mom knew about it first of course probably some of that is for her mom like sending elsa on it to do all of this stuff is like a osmosis style <laughs> Well, and Elsa even says, you know, I hope the last letter is for my mom and it doesn't turn out that way. And we learned that mom got the first letter, which is powerful. But obviously, like, I think that stroller that's left in the entryway with a note that says, don't leave strollers here. Obviously, I think that was granny leaving it for mom. Like that was the the baby gift, right? That was my thought, at least. And obviously it would piss off Britt Marie one last time. But I thought it happened after granny died. So I assumed that mom had done it. Well, so I was thinking maybe Marcel, the lawyer, vicar, um, attorney, okay. everything that makes else. Sense. Yeah. Okay. Or, or I think it happened like the day before, like Granny could have snuck out of the hospital and done it because she kept running out of the hospital. No, because she died. Perfect. She died with Elsa. That's right. Yeah. In the hospital. Yeah. My bad. Uh, <laughs> so I think somebody else helped, but we do learn that mom was helping with other things. I just feel like that was for mom. So she no, that's, found that somebody works. else to do it for her. Yeah. But yeah, that was... Yeah, man, that's so, so many layers there. There's know, a lot of layers. I mean, and that's, I think, one of the things we talked about before, just like how good he is at creating characters that are like onions yes. in that they have so many layers and that are so believable. I mean, like, these are people that you could know. 
Yeah, this this is a community you could walk into and be like, yeah, this yeah. makes sense. Like these people. Yeah, and like honestly, there's probably some people that read this book and live in a in a building like that and are like, oh shit, this is like so kind of like what I live. In. That's to yeah. be. Yep, everyone yeah. knows it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so finishing off what did you think of our ending in our epilogue did you think it fit our story i do i do i liked that it called itself out for being an epilogue yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean like i think that that was just really clever yeah i i thought it was good i don't really have anything usually i have sort of stronger feelings about epilogues but i think mainly because it was very much at face value that it worked for me well, it's like you told us it was a fairy tale, right? And this is how fairy tales end. Fairy tales end happily ever after for the most part. So you're giving us that in the epilogue. I did think there's a really cool moment where Elsa is recounting like what she went through on this treasure hunt and she names all the titles of the chapters. You know, mm-hmm. she's like, oh, it's this and that and it's this and that. And it's just, oh my God, it was that all the titles of the chapters. I didn't realize that. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so, so just a cool moment of him just tying that all together again. Uh, I just thought yeah. that it was it was fitting because we do get happily ever after, and then to immediately uh, contradict myself, it also wasn't because they talk about how the woman in the black skirt and Wolfheart, while they are getting better, they still have work They're to not- do. Like it yeah. didn't it didn't change overnight, but they're it they're was- both looking for help. They're going to the next step. Well, and I think that that is what to me that's what epilogues should be is leaving you on a hopeful note like these people are on their way to getting better elsa started school and made a friend immediately and then they were the superheroes for the boy of the syndrome like all those things are like steps in the right direction and i think that for me that's almost better than having something like concrete of like this happened in the future, then it's like, you know, it just sort of leaves the door open. No, and that, yeah, it just gives it more, uh, a more realistic feel where it's like, yeah. the, this, these steps could happen. It right. doesn't mean everything's perfect. You know, Leonard and Maud go to the prison to see Sam. Like they're still working on that relationship to try to figure I straight out. up thought that Wolfhart had beaten him to death. Like I did not think that he was alive still. I mean, he would have if Britt Marie didn't go, you know, this, is, point. The, this is the homeowners association. We don't, we don't beat people. people. To death in the <laughs> oh my God. I also, and this does not have to do with the epilogue, but I don't remember if we discussed the worst dying in any we didn't i had it was the worst spoilers which we can move into but yeah the the worst is death i know yeah you referenced it before i had read it i didn't know what it was but you were like i was well i didn't say that so i didn't didn't i didn't know it was coming but but you said it uh, broke you and then i got to it i think later that night and i was like oh yeah this is it i knew knew yeah i figured you'd know what i was talking about when it happened um yeah i was a fucking mess and then i like Put it down after that chapter and barry was like why do you do this to yourself <laughs> i don't do it it's bachman i'm also a glutton for punishment like that it's like but i, I think we talked about this or i talked about this with somebody recently like that, that emotion is part of the reason we do this right oh my god yeah. you want to feel you want to be human you can still cry <laughs> it's okay like I, I didn't have as much of an emotional response to it as you did, but it still was the fact that it just didn't happen, right? Oh, the doctor yeah. came out, we lost him in surgery. No. That's totally disinfecting. 
runs past the doctor and spends the last few minutes and Wolfhard is there who doesn't speak really, you know, and he just keeps trying to tell her like he was really old, you know, like it's, it's okay. He, he was an old worse. Like he's gonna, he's gonna go on. We'll see him later. And then how like, it's just like a slow, like he's breathing and then he's like breathing slower. And it was just like really rough. Like that's two pe two people, two individuals that she has loved and cared for that she has literally laid beside while they die which like girl you're only almost eight that's maybe too many she lies next to me i'm kicking her out <laughs> right? <No>. No, man. <laughs> um but i think too like and, I, and maybe she says this at one point about just like how how and I don't want to say okay with death she is because she's obviously not like after her granny dies there's that moment where she like goes back into like the coffin is basically like wake up and like that is totally a very typical she expects it to be a trick yeah right right and like I don't want to say that people at a young age should experience death but I think having an experience like that definitely informs can inform in a in a good or an okay way or whatever somebody's life obviously like different strokes for different folks and scenarios like Wolfheart, where like everybody dies and it's terrible is not good but having all the love and a little bit of death makes for a well-rounded eight-year-old <laughs> it reminds me of our friends when we graduated high school and we were going our separate ways and Alden was the first to leave because he was going to the army and that's when yeah. this was happening. And we stood in an awkward, awkward circle and told each other how much we cared about each other. And then we all got without actually saying, I love you. <laughs> yeah. And then we got into cars and drove away and I just remember crying and remembering like I needed a warm up for this. Like I needed a tertiary character to go away first so I right. could know how to feel. And that's kind of what you're saying. Like, as a child, if you have that where you know what it is, but it's not somebody super important to you, it does open your eyes to like more of just knowing like, and in Elsa's defense, they tried to hide it from her, right? Like she overhears Granny talking about how she has cancer and like how it's really yeah, bad and all so this. Upset about that. Because secrets, you're not supposed to have secrets from your best friend. Like that's very difficult for her to deal with. And I do wonder if people actually took her for the old almost eight-year-old that she is if they had that conversation maybe it would have been different because she could have appreciated the time she had with granny more like we don't get the whole backstory of her illness because it happened so quickly in the book but it does seem like everyone was hiding it from her where granny would go to the hospital for a little bit and then she'd be back and well and she said something back. a couple of times that i thought rang really true to me was that where some grown-ups were basically telling her oh it's really complicated and she was like yeah it is because nobody explains it yeah like yeah take the time to explain it to me and maybe it won't be so weird or what you know and I think like oftentimes the the norm is to assume that a kid can't handle a thing yeah. whatever that thing may be and like granted it's probably many kids that can't handle it but she was not one of them yeah and that was another thing I like too, where a lot of the people were like, your granny always said you were the smartest, you know, smartest <laughs> yeah. not even like, smartest kid. You were like the smartest person she's ever met. Like there yeah. was a lot of that. So um, I feel like there was something else that I wanted to say about granny. Shit. I don't know. I should have written it down while we were talking. The fact that she's waiting in Miamis. Oh, that's it. There it is. 
go for it. What do you got? No, go ahead. What were you going to say? I was going to say like the fact that, so like Elsa can't get back into the land of almost awake. And I think part of that is her fear that what if granny's not there? Because granny always said, see you later, not goodbye. She'll be waiting for me in Miamis on a bench because she knows from that whatever fairy, other fairy tale that somebody else wrote that that I always like that part. So that's where she'll be. And she talks about how she can't get there. And I do think a big part of that is the fear that what if granny's not there? But then when the worst dies and she's talking, I think she's telling the worst, like, go there. She'll be there waiting for you. And grandpa will be there too. I don't remember. Yeah, maybe grandpa will show up someday. Right, right. And I, that was just, it was so, so cute. It was. And that just made me think of something else where Elsa talks about where she got certain things from. Right. Mm, her love of yes. words from her father Asks and her, her imagination from her granny. And so she asks her mom, you know, what did I get from granddad? Cause I never met him. And she says, your laugh, you know, your laugh is, is so much like him and blah, blah, blah. And then her mom gets like quiet and she's like, you know, what did, what did you get from me? And she like thinks about it. She's like, well, everything else, obviously. And that was such a fucking powerful like the interaction she has with both her parents or just like anybody in general she's just like she's a brilliant kid and like in a way that's like social emotionally brilliant (laughs) which like so this is going to be a very left field story but like one of the kids that barry teaches is the kid of my boss and like he's a very like quiet introverted kid just like my boss and like he's very smart very intelligent and apparently very, like, observant and social-emotionally intelligent. Like, one of his little friends that's in class with him is, like, ADHD-style, like, really, whatever. And he kind of gets in trouble a lot. And my boss's kid was like, no, he, like, people misunderstand him. Like, he just needs to, like, move. He's just got to, like, get out there and move. And I think, like, probably more kids are in tune to that kind of thing than we give them credit for. And Elsa is, like the epitome of that (laughs) she sees things that we don't see and that's what I thought was cool like the times when the whole building was together for dinner or the times when you know she when she was down at the like leaseholders meeting and then has to like sneak out to do her first letter giving she's like observing all these things that probably adults don't notice and I think that uh, just as a person who is observant that was just like lovely (laughs) well I think part it just speaks on like a part of it as we get older we think like our lives are so important or we become so immersed in our lives we don't notice see what's going around yeah around us and for her she's like especially at that point she's like worried about what she's going to do with the worst and she's sneaking him around right. and all that so all she's worried about is like what's going on so it's uh yeah though no, her perception is is she's definitely Not 20s uh, for every day yeah proficient in perception for sure hell so, yeah um did you have anything else you want to touch on before we move off of this book i don't think so I know. I feel like we've covered a lot. This might be one we listen back to. And we're like, ah, oh, that thing. But yeah, uh, probably there was like even just writing the questions for spoilers. And it was like talk about the book. Like that's all, and that's, <laughs> that's what we did because there is just I, so much to this. So this was a Tana planned her day poorly today, and I didn't get to like I usually write in my little journal thing all of the answers that I have. And I was doing this literally while I was eating lunch before this happened. And usually I like go really in depth and I didn't because I was like, we're just going to 
fucking spitball here. It's going to be great. <laughs> it was one of those things too, where I'm writing this down. Like I couldn't think of the second and third question. Like I knew the first question was going to take a while. Cause it's like, this is the whole point. This is the meat of the story, yeah. the neighbors yeah. and the community and all that. Yeah. And it's like, well, I feel like we always have three questions. So you're going to have three questions. So I was just sitting there being like, all right, let's do a three. And it works out. Everyone enjoyed it. Thanks for enjoying it audience. Okay, so, bye. <laughs> bye. On that note, uh, <laughs> we are going to move out of spoilers and get uh, to our grading. So before we do that, we have to move out of spoilers. And moving out of spoilers, we now finish off with this book with our graded. Our grading system is based on a D&D D20 scale. So one is bad, 20 is good. And then we add or subtract an ability or skill modifier from Dungeons & Dragons that we think fits the book best. This episode, Taja is first, and I'm interested to see where this one goes. So, Taja, what do you got? Well, so I had originally given it a straight roll of nine, of 18, but then as we've been talking, I mean, and I love the book, but it didn't really, like, pluck all of my heartstrings like Man Kalduva did, but there's still so much about this to be loved that I've changed it to a straight roll of 19. Like we talked about before, he is just so good at community building, at characters, at creating a scenario where you feel, as a reader, fully invested in the thing in front of you. <laughs> I mean, it was a book that was quick. It was easy to read. It was quick. The stories were great. There's lots of doohickeys in this puppy. And I just, I'm kind of constantly amazed at his abilities to create believable, yet really above the standard does that make sense of people of situations there's humor there's sadness there's like really great hoorahs but i'm gonna give it a plus two for charisma because i think that elsa's charisma granny's charisma just like the characters in general and how yeah some of them had some i don't know quirks i guess i'd say but the the way that they worked together and, I mean, personality-wise, not, like, built something. Although I guess they built a community. <laughs> I think that charisma is just the most fitting for for the fact that the characters were so important to the story. And, yes, there was drama. But, like, everybody... I don't even know how to phrase it. The The relationship between Elsa and every single person... It was just spectacular. <laughs> so that's a 21. I uh, I feel you in a lot of ways. So part of me was grading this book against a man called Ube. Uh, same. That's uh, not necessarily fair. Because like no. I said, maybe before recording, maybe before, I don't know, we've gone on a bit here. Like <laughs> I... I was like ugly sobbing at the end of a man called Uve. And like, I was getting emotional at the beginning of this book. And I kind of thought I was like setting myself up to prepare to ugly cry. So I still had some tears at the end, but it wasn't the same. So I was like, well, I didn't get the same reaction as I did for Uve. So I should grade this a little bit less. So like, this is definitely a reason that Goodreads should have half stars because oh my I, thought, God, yeah. like, I didn't want to give this five stars on my Goodreads. Not that anyone actually looks at it. But like, if you looked at it and you looked at Frederick Bachman, I'd want you to read A Man Called Uve first. Yeah. I just would. But that doesn't, it shouldn't take away from this. So I was the same level where my straight role was an 18. And in talking about it and gushing about it and all that, I'm going to move it up to a 19 as well. Again, it probably is a nat 20 if it's not Bachman. Like, I just want 
to separate a man called Uve as fair or unfair as Agreed. that is. Agreed. And, like I've read other of his works too, and they're strong too. But this just like it was it was so well, but it just didn't have that ugly cry at the end, I guess. Even though we talked about those beautiful moments with both of her parents that she has. For me, I gave it a plus three for Arcana because for me, this is the magic of storytelling, the magic Amazing. of superheroes, and the magic of kiss kick-ass grannies. Uh oh, yeah. so I feel like they each deserve a point for that. Just th- there was magic in this book, and for like like they said, like if you read a man called Uve and then you read this, like just the fairy tale parts of it, you would not think we're a same author. Like Uve seemed like he lived in a very like regimented world. And this yeah. shows his kind of like, I can do this other stuff too. I can go more fantasy if I wanted to and create this world of the land of almost awake, which is very detailed, even if it's just this secondary location. That's like and I know you've said this multiple times it just absolutely blows my mind that people said that they didn't read those bits it just makes no sense to me yeah like why I like somebody has like you said before with like the translation and the demonstratively like an author is putting things in the book for a reason if you're skipping huge chunks of that you are not reading that book and if it's self-published fine but if it's like a legit (laughs) author which had an editor of some kind maybe read the whole book yeah so yeah so for me it's 19 plus 3 for 22 so solid and i was a little bit nervous about like i said i found this used at my bookstore and ended up picking up a second copy i was a little nervous about it because we did uve was so great doing it as a mystery book but i i was so happy with how it worked out i'm so happy that we read it yeah so I, i think it was very solid so uh, we will now stop gushing about this book. We will never talk about it again, I'm sure. And we will move on to our segment. So we start with current selection. Taja, what have you been reading or listening to? Maybe something you finished recently? Oh my God, I sure did. I finished uh, Dragon Reborn. It did end on a high note. It makes you um, want, like, that's a douchebag move where he's like, I want to pick up the next one. So that's like I was telling you before we started recording that I like almost used one of my audible credits to buy the next one. And then I was like, but realistically, Taja, are you going to listen to that? Probably not right away. So you can tuck that away for next credit that you're going to get. Anyway, it was a bit of a high note to answer TSA man's question. I don't think I I still don't think I like Matt. He He had like a five. Okay, I was like, he did have a brief moment where I was like, oh, Matt, like you're doing good shit. And then I was like, but you're still like internal monologuing douchebaggery like so questionable reasoning yeah yeah so like i still don't like matt but i i will say one thing with that book i think that i liked more about the other ones is the fact that we were so far away from rand like yeah that rand was like practically not in it and i enjoyed Um, Karen and matt more and the girls and like just love Perrin. also love the new uh falcon situation and i'm very eager to see where that goes because i find Perrin to be a slightly more compelling character than Matt, or uh, not Matt. Well, yes, Matt, but Rand. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Rand is so stuck on like, well, I'm the dragon. I'm like, he just or seems like, very I'm linear. not the dragon, and now he's like, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm in it. Sorry, spoilers on spoilers for the. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, like, here, who, yeah. everyone knows it's the Dragon Reborn. It's <laughs> kind of in the title. Anyway, yeah. So I don't know if I'm gonna. I don't. I'm not gonna jump on it right away. You'll yeah, I'll get back to it. I mean, there's like, what, 15 books, 14 books? 15, I think, yeah. 15? That's Over that's... 4 million words, so. 
I mean, like, the books are big, really big. And, like, I was audibling that. So, like, I didn't even have the, like, physical chunk. But it's very, very much time consuming. I still reading Half a War because I started it. And then we read this. <laughs> so I have to go back to this. And then, yeah, I I feel like I just... Oh, and I downloaded an audible of... What is it? The wool. The first oh, of wool. the Oh, yeah, yeah. And, wool. like, I don't know if I'm going to tackle that or if maybe it'll be a podcast book. I don't know. But it was a cool-looking concept. That one might then, be a podcast book, so... Okay. Well, yeah. So, TBD. Stay we'll tuned, see. folks. Yeah. yeah, and I think that that's pretty much everything for recent... So, yeah. for, for me, I uh, I tackled uh, Cloud Cuckoo Land. And oh, I have to say, I tackled fucking huge yeah i did yeah. finish it it was so good i'm glad you liked it easily five stars on goodreads oh yeah and like so different and similar to all the light we cannot see because all the light we cannot see is more historical fiction right and this was more just like there was obviously historical fiction in it but it's but more just, mostly fiction yeah the idea of how a story is preserved right and so cool right so powerful like i didn't there wasn't a character i didn't like right um as they're like buttoning it up at the end you know you're like yeah you put some of it together and then other things are like yep that makes sense yep that makes sense yep that uh-huh. you know it just it really worked well for a complete story so that was by uh anthony door and like i said i think you had either recommended it on the show or i know you told me to read it yeah uh, i had and- audiobooked it it was uh, super powerful. So that between that and the book we read, my grandmother asked me to tell you she's sorry. <laughs> Less words in the title next time, Russ. Yeah, uh, right? I, I didn't get into anything else. I have started um, the book Choke, which is by Chuck. I can't say his last name. The same guy who wrote Fight Club. Palin Chuck. I are pal- Palin Yuke. Yeah, something like that. I, I just got Fight Club from uh, Goodwill the other day. Nice. Um, I've never read it. It's very much like the movie. Um, I, that, I, that's what I've heard. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Choke was another one that I either got in the 50 cent bin or whatever. And the reason I picked it up, I think Clark Gregg is in the movie or Clark Gregg directed it or screen wrote the movie or something. And I do love Clark Gregg. So that was what pokes me onto it. I can honestly say I hate the guy and there's a lot of sex stuff in it that makes me feel weird. But oh, no. uh, I'm going to continue to push through it and see what happens. So oh, boy. Wow. About halfway through. And it's like a really easy read. It's very similar to the size of Fight Club. So you can okay, get through yeah, it quickly, um, which is kind of why I picked it up. I, I've got so many behemoths on my bookshelf that I'm just staring them down like, man, I'm going to need more than two weeks to read these. And speaking of which, uh, it'll be more than two weeks before you hear from us again. This is your early warning before I warn you at the end that we'll be taking at least an extra week off. But Before we get to that, we have our last bit of business, which is a random recommendation and kind of similar. Like we both calmed down in our reading. We both talk about what we read every week or every other week when we get on this show. We run out of random recs. Random recs are hard to find. So this week I went to Amanda and I asked her for a book that she could recommend. And her recommendation was The Things We Cannot Say by Kelly Rimmer. And this is a historical fiction. This is kind of Amanda's alley. Like Me Too fantasy sci-fi is her to his historical fiction. So if she likes <laughs> something. So her little blurb on it was it, it talks about the reality of war, family, loss, and sacrifice in 1942 Europe. It's simultaneously heartwarming and soul crushing. Will make you cry, 
potentially a lot. Oh, rough. Uh, she had read this a little while ago, but it is something, again, she really appreciates historical fiction. So for this to be the one she picked out, if you're into that kind of thing, definitely check it out. That is, she was the one that bought me All the Light We Cannot See, also by Anthony Doerr, which was an incredible historical fiction. So I take her recommendations and her word for it. That's legit. Except the one time that she gave not many stars to Project Hail Mary. Ugh, I, yes, I trust did. her implicitly. That was because of the science. The science, and uh, she did say she loved Rocky. So it's, and as okay. pointed out, I it's tougher do... to read than it is to listen to. I do think that that would have been the best way for her to receive that book. There. So our last bit of business is what's on the next podcast. And as we were kind of just touching on, we're running out of things in the hopper. So we're going to another surprise book. This is the last surprise book that Taja gave me a little bit ago. So we are going to see... What is behind the wrapping? Okay. And this is a book I don't know anything about. This is Scythe. Me either. Scythe. I own Scythe. Scythe by uh, Neil Schusterman. Yeah, very pretty. I mean, I only bought it because the cover is gorgeous. Okay. okay. And it's a, it's a young adult thing. And like, the it just, it looked cool. <laughs> okay. So our blurb on that. Did you have anything? Um, it The back says, thou shalt not kill. That's what I'm going to leave you with. So uh, on the front here, it says, Few endeavors ask the question Schusterman faces head on. In a world without death, what becomes of life? Hopefully that's from this book and not one of his other ones as we've experienced (laughs) in the past. But I do believe it's about this one. So, all right. That is a very beautiful cover. We'll see what it gets into it. So again, that is Scythe by Neil Schusterman. That is our next book that we will cover. And as I just alluded to, we will not be here in two weeks. I am going on vacation. Taja is going on vacation as well. So we will both be gone. And uh, the following week, we will be together. So we may record in three weeks. We may not. We may record in four weeks. We'll see. But we are not leaving you, folks. This is not goodbye. It is simply see you later. So on that note, this has been the ABC Pod, the Adult Book Club with Taja and Russell. Keep, Keep reading. reading.